welcome to the 221st episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Lookin. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Sometimes talk about old, random, cool, or weird, or bad movies. Uh, Usually I talk about old, cool, hopefully cool, comic book series. And uh, I've just done the first two issues of Ultimate Spider-Man from 2000. So it's really cool to go back. And and it's it's a, it, I, you know, I almost forgot like how it was a different, or it's the same origin, but things play out differently. So it's really cool to go back. So you can, you can listen to that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or six. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, so this week, um, I'm not covering as much as I wanted to. I mean, there, there's still going to be a lot. The movie features Ghostbusters Afterlife. Afterlife, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I feel like I I missed a, a letter or syllable or something in there. So you have that. Uh, there's Dexter, New Blood, the second episode. Chucky, uh, Chucky's been I've been enjoying that. It's been good. Flash has returned. Uh, we have <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow. Now Cowboy Bebop came out this this past week and came out uh, Friday. I would have liked to, you know, I could have tried to cram it and everything, but. We'll talk about it next week, and and I'll be honest with you. I I thought about trying to cram it in there, trying to get some, you know, maybe even just like a couple episodes or one episode or half the episode. But the early reports weren't great, so I was like, I kind of don't want. So I haven't, at, as I record this right now, I haven't watched any of it yet. But I will watch, and maybe I'll, I'll actually. I want to try to watch all of them by next week, just to let you know overall how it was. I probably won't go episode by episode. Because the early word is it's not good, which is really unfortunate. But I will be the judge of that. So maybe maybe I won't agree with what the the word is, what people are saying. Then there's also Marvel's uh, Hit Monkey. Uh, I I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it, you know, at least a couple of the episodes. But I didn't get a chance to watch as many, even though it came out Wednesday. But uh, you know, with, with the day job, um, if I had more more Patreon support or anything, I. Man, if I didn't have to do my day job, maybe someday we'll we'll see. No, and I do enjoy the day job, but you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, I would have liked to have talked about Cowboy Bebop and more Hit Monkey, but it just didn't happen. So, on with the show. Let's talk about some news, and uh, probably the big news is a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, the second trailer. I, I'm not really sure what to say. And I'll be honest. When I first watched the trailer, there's, I feel like there's so much going on in this trailer. So spoilers if you if you avoid trailers. I mean, what there's it's it's a trailer. But the first time I watched it, I totally missed it. Lizard was in it. <laughs> I, I totally didn't even see that, and it's just pretty nuts. And um, that's an interesting thing right there. The scene that it almost looked like he was fighting someone, but there's like no one there. So have they been digitally erased for security reasons or I don't know what's going on there. But you have you get to see Electro, which is kind of cool. He's almost a little more reminiscent to his comic book look, 
uh, you know, he's got like the electro bolts on the on the head, kind of. Um, and then you'll see Sandman. You see a big giant Sandman, which is kind of weird. And you know, and then a uh, Green Goblin. We actually see Green Goblin, and of course Doc Ock. So it looks good and everything. I'm just a little afraid that there's just too much going on there. That they're trying to cram too much, and that's what happened with Spider-Man Three. You know, we know that the word is Sam Raimi didn't want Venom to be in there, but, you know, Sony really wanted to get Venom in there. So then you had Venom and Sandman, and, you know, it was just, it was too much. So we'll see what happens here, but I'm a little concerned, you know, with with all these villains. And, you know, this isn't even Sinister Six yet unless, uh, how many is that? One, two, three, four, that's five. So we'll, we'll see. And then you know, we, we do see some of the jokes in the trailer, which we're probably going to see them over and over again. One thing I don't get is, is when they're, they're laughing at, they're like, oh, what's your name? He's like, Otto Octavius. And they're like, no, really. And they're like, Otto Octavius? I don't get why that's really funny. I mean, I don't Maybe it's just we're so used to the name. But it's like, okay, whatever, you guys. Yeah, make fun of someone's name. or that, that That's cool. And... I like Zendaya. Zendaya, you know, I, I think she's you know a r- r- great actress, but I don't know how we feel about that character. And it's not her. I, I shouldn't even say it's her. It's the way the character's written. To me, that doesn't feel like Mary Jane. I, but whatever, you know, it's it's not about me, right? So we we have all that. And then the other thing, the last thing I'm going to say about it, before the trailer came out, there was a a cast reaction to the trailer. Where it's like the three of them, uh, Peter, Mary Jane, and Ned, watching a trip. You know, we see just like the back of a laptop. They're watching. They're like, oh, ah, oh, I can't believe it's, it's just, this is why I don't watch reaction videos. I've, I've never done a reaction video. I don't know. I, I feel like it, I feel like this is the reason, this is the problem with reaction videos because it just, it feels overly staged, overly faked. And, I'm not accusing anyone who does react. If you do reaction videos, awesome. That's I'm I'm glad that you have that. I would like to be able to do more content, stuff like that, but it's just I just don't have the energy and and you know it's it's a bummer. But I feel like some of it is like, is this really honestly your first time watching it? I mean, I would think logistically you'd want to watch it a couple times and make sure you cover it, make sure like you don't miss the friggin' lizard in the trailer like I somehow did. And it's probably because I watched it on my phone and, you know. So I, I just, I would question, and I would just be suspicious as like how, how genuine are the reactions. But, you know, maybe they are all legit and maybe I'm just too too uh, pessimistic or or suspicious. I don't know what I'm saying. So, yeah, that, that cast reaction. All right. <laughs> Other big news. Scarlett Johansson is going to, is coming back to Marvel, sort of, kind of. Not really, but I don't know. So she's, I think she's just, right now, Is she's just producing a quote-unquote top-secret Marvel Studios project. So we don't know what that means, but the, the big, the huge thing is that she's actually coming back. She's willing to work with Marvel. We know there is a little bit of a, you know, beef between, but that was more between her and Disney. So, you know, it wasn't Marvel Studios that was going against what, she was told or what the contract said or, you know, whatever the, the pinpoint of legalities, fine, whatever is. And, you know, she is going to be producing the Tower of Terror. So that's good that that things are, are, are figured out. And I'm sure the minor details of the, con- you know, it's going to be really spelt out and really crystal clear 
before anything gets started. But, you know, I, I think that that's really, really cool. And I don't know what it means. I mean, is she only strictly producing it? Is is that going to be her involvement to, in, in it? And, you know, not starring in it? Uh, I, I want Black Widow back. Yeah, you know, obviously, it's so easy to bring her back. You know, there's so many ways. And especially... and. And on, on top of the other creative ways that they've done it in the comics, I mean, you got the multiverse. You know, you, you can do that. And, you know, you look at, like, what if, you know, there's there's other ways, but we'll, we'll see. But if she's just producing, that that's cool because, uh, you know, she's she's got a lot of talent. And, you know, I, I think she could add a lot. You know, she's And she's been so involved, you know, for a while with with these Marvel movies. So, you know, she probably has knows a thing or two about you know what needs to be done and how it should be done and, and so forth but the big question is like what was this before it's it's probably something that had maybe hasn't been announced yet so it'll be real interesting to to, to find out about that uh michael keaton has uh he's he's talking about shooting vulture stuff so he was on jimmy kimmel and he mentioned that he's he's doing so. We're it's probably not Morbius. We know he's in Morbius because they gave that away in the trailer. But maybe there's gonna be reshoots for Morbius because you know there's pretty much reshoots for everything. You know, a lot of people like like oh this movie's doing reshoots, it's in danger, and you know they're talking about the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There's so many reshoots. It's like is is it really so many? I mean, yeah, so like the idea is like if a movie's doing reshoots, it must be really bad. But no, it's like they. They film it, they do the edits, and they're like, oh, you know, this, right, maybe so-and-so didn't hit their mark in this one scene, and it would look really awkward if we try to CG this and do whatever, so who knows. And if, if it's not for Morbius, could it, maybe it's Doctor Strange. You know, Doctor Strange is, as I mentioned, doing, currently doing some reshoots and, and stuff, and so who knows what, what that's for. But it's like, uh, maybe you shouldn't be, like, just talking about it so so casually, whatever. So I don't know. Matt Fraction, this is cool. He he's apparently listed as a consulting producer on Hawkeye or something like that. He said he he wasn't sure exactly. He said he'd have to look at his contract or whatever. And um, he said he basically you know just read script and offered some thoughts. And he 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 joked because that's Matt Fraction is a funny guy, in my opinion, and I'm sure others. But he says that you know, he gets to take all the credit and hopefully not the blame if you know things don't don't go well. But the bummer is, would, I would have loved to see this. He was supposed to have a cameo in in Hawkeye. He was supposed to be one of the the tra- tracksuit mafia dudes. But because of COVID, when they were filming, it didn't make sense. You know, that's just a travel and everything, and he has like an immune compromised. Uh, elderly i forget if it was his mom or mother-in-law or someone who was like living with them and it's it's not worth the risk so he's like i, I can't do it so that's too bad but that you know that would have been funny to see him and uh yeah so we'll have to see how that goes i just really hope that ivan the landlord is is in 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 this because it, it's great that they got the tracksuit mafia but you got to have ivan so where has my Ivan been in the comics? So that's what I want to know. Uh, there's a new poster for Matrix Resurrection. There's actually a poster and an international poster. Okay. I mean, it look cool. It's, it's just a poster, but it's, it's cool to, to see that stuff. So that's uh, coming up in just over a month. We have that. Uh, Marvel uh, VP has confirmed that they're not recasting Black Panther in, in the main MCU. I, I still feel like if you got to do it, you got to do it. They've recasted. We've seen that 
you know, the War Machine has been recast. And then uh, we've seen, um, what's your name, Gemma Chan? Is that her name? Uh, who has been two different characters in the, in the same Marvel universe. So I almost feel like it, it's, it sucks. It's such a tragedy. It's, it's ho- horrible what happened. But, you know, if, if, if that, are we just never going to see Black Panther again? And, you know, and that that character, because, you know, when you look at when Black Panther first came out and, you know, you just see like a lot of the reactions from people, you know, people of color and everything. It's such a huge impact, you know, such a big deal for a lot of a lot of people. This is an important character. And it just because, you know, Chadwick Boseman unfortunately passed away, it seems like they shouldn't just kind of like retire the character or just kind of I don't know. I feel like there's still so much that could be done with him. It would, but it it would be hard. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe in a few years, maybe they'll change their mind. They're like, okay, yeah, we're, we're gonna do it now, or uh, I don't know, or maybe they just never should do it. I, you know, I don't know. Um, speaking of Black Panther, so Latitia Wright. So I I I'm admitting I was wrong, or I was a little skeptical. I you know because she sustained some injuries, and I was like, what what injuries did she sustain? Was it really injuries, or you know, was it you know? So I, I forget exactly how I worded it, but I was a little like, what's that mean? Because it was just so vague. It was weird that they didn't say, like, what happened. But apparently they heard me and they're like, this is what – no, they didn't hear me. <laughs> but apparently what happened is she suffered a critical shoulder fracture and a concussion with severe side effects. So it's like, holy crap. So it's no wonder, you know, she's resting at home you know, as she should the big question is how did she get so injured? I mean, this shouldn't happen. You know, we're, we're talking about safety and on the sets, you know, the Alec Baldwin, um, tragedy you know, on his movie, but you know, how did this happen? And you know, who, who's not that it should be like, who's to blame, you know, was it poor coordination or whatever? I mean, you know, it, it could be a poor, decision or wrong decision i don't want to say poor because that sounds really bad but maybe you know she made a wrong move or or you know who knows it was an accident probably we have to assume but man we got to be careful with this stuff you know everyone whether you're a stunt person or not everyone needs to be safe so hopefully she's gonna be all right and recover from this because you know that's that sucks ahsoka the ahsoka show has cast uh, Sabine Wren, so that is awesome. So we know Sabine's going to be in the show now. Um, she's being played by Natasha Liu, who's been in a, a few other things. I guess she was in the the Netflix Crouching Tiger show, which I realize I never saw that or movie. I don't, I don't even, I don't even know what it is. I remember when it came out, but I never saw that. She was in a, she was in a few other things as well. They did not cast the voice actress. Um, I think there's been two different people who voiced Sabine in the show and. Was she in a game or something? Okay, so I mean, but it, it's awesome that that they they're bringing a character back because I, I I'm excited about that. I, I can't wait to. I, I think it's really cool because I, I I liked her character in Rebels. Uh, Harry Potter 20th anniversary. They're doing a Return to Hogwarts special. It's gonna be I, I'm assuming a HBO Max thing. So that's coming out on January 1st, 2022. So they're gonna have. I, I wonder if they're going to bring all the cast. Hopefully, they'll they'll get them and you know other people involved in, in that. I I thought I saw something in this recent report. What I just read this morning didn't say anything about it, but I saw another thing that they're saying that they're not asking J.K. Rowling to be involved with that 
and you know she's she said some controversial made some controversial comments and I don't know if I'd say controversial it would seem a little well maybe they are controversial I mean it seems kind of kind of ignorant or kind of callous kind of insensitive uh I mean I don't know everyone's entitled to her opinion and stuff like that but just because you're entitled to your opinion doesn't mean you need to be spouting it and saying that you know certain people don't have any rights or this or that or I don't remember the exact nature of what specifically she said but it's just it's it's not cool you know you you want to have your your crazy inappropriate wrong thoughts you're you can do that I just don't want to hear about it and I'm sure other people don't hear about it I don't know we'll we'll see what happens with that uh if you do you remember the the Batman cartoon uh, the animated series so the Batman I, you know what I realized? I, I wasn't super crazy about the Joker's design of that because he had like this really big hair and he just, I don't know. So I, I never really watched a show. I have, I have, I know I have more than one DVD set. And, I, but something happened. And because, well, you know, my daughter and I, I think that came out after Brave and the Bold, right? Because we love Brave and the Bold, but we never got into the Batman. And it, there's just like so much to watch. And, you know, it's not like I'm going to have my kid watching nonstop TV or, you know, everything like that. So we just never, never got into it. And then it was one of those things like, oh, it started and we missed a start and we'll have to catch up at some point. But now it'll be time to catch up because the complete series is coming to Blu-ray in early 2022. I think there's like 65 episodes. I didn't realize there was quite that many. So so that that's cool. There is a word about a Dark Horse is getting Star Wars comics again. I'm like, what? So apparently they're going to be doing all ages comics. And I think the the regular, like not adult comics, but the, the teen plus comics are still going to be at Marvel. Because I was like, why is why is Marvel not going to do Star Wars comics? You know, that doesn't make sense. So I don't know, because uh, what I read wasn't specific about it. I don't know if this means that IDW is not doing Star Wars comics because they've been doing some of the all-age stuff, and maybe their contract ran out. You know, it's just like how Archie had Sonic for, like, the longest time, and then IDW got Sonic. So that, that was just kind of weird. But I guess Dark Horse is doing comics again, or Star Wars comics. And that that that's kind of, I wonder how that, that's going to be, because there's got to be some bitterness. You know, they they did Star Wars for so long, and then it, it kind of sort of was taken away from them, sort of. You know, the, the rights, their contract expired. And the fact that all those Dark Horse comics they did, and Marvel was is able to, republish those because they own the rights to them now or that just seemed kind of weird but so good for dark horse that they're gonna be doing you know and and that's thing you know more star wars comics the better because you know and all ages i think that's awesome because maybe not everyone's gonna like it or want it or care about it but if if there's something more for there's more stuff for other people that's great you know the, the more people that have something that they can read and relate to that that's awesome and just because it's all ages doesn't mean all ages doesn't mean it's for kids. All ages means it's for everyone. This last bit I'm kind of interested in. There's going to be a new GI Joe comic called Saturday Morning Adventures. So it's going to be a four issue series. I have a feeling like this is something that could like expand beyond that. But it's going to be based on the '80s cartoon. What's weird for me is that it's called Saturday Morning Adventures. I didn't think GI Joe was a Saturday morning cartoon. I remember watching it like after school. It was like Transformers and G.I. Joe or vice versa. I forget which one 
came from. Maybe it was, I think it was J.I. Joe and Transformers. But, and, it, and it aired like five days a week. It was like, like you know, four o'clock or something like that in the afternoon or 3.30 or 3. I don't remember. So who cares? <laughs> One thing. It's going to be cool that it's going to basically go back and, and grab that that vibe from the, the series. So I'll, I, I will do my best to remember to read that. I need to read that. So other than that, that is going to be the news for the week. As far as comics, I'm going to actually start with Aftershock, which I like never talk about. But I want to talk about Chicken Devil, number two. So this is the Brian Bucciolato comic. Hayden Sherman does the art. And uh, this is just a... Uh, it's such a weird comic. It's just getting started, but I mean, there's just a lot of potential here. Uh, it, it's a <laughs> the most unlikely chicken fried revenge story continues. Uh, so, okay, I'm just gonna read read this. Mitchell, our overmatched hero, must contend with the bloody aftermath of his first run-in with the Russian mob as he deals with nosy detectives, his shady business partner Antonio, and a stolen heroine. So, what happened in the first issue was. So Mitch uh, Mitchell, he owns like a chicken fast food, like a franchise thing. And it turned out his partner was involved in some shady stuff and with, with heroin. And things don't go so well. You know, he was basically trying to steal from the Russian mob, I guess. They were supposed to go on a trip, on a, on a boat trip. And then Mitch's parent or his family, his wife and kids get blown up. So then he goes to get the heroin because it was at a at a gym, and then he needed a disguise. Where he puts on the chicken a chicken costume from the the restaurant, and things get a little violent. And you know, so he's he's not he's just a regular dude. He's not like a big action star dude type of guy, but he's getting pulled into this, and um, yeah. So uh, violence continues. In this, so he's not like again, not like a gun-toting expert, whatever, looking for trouble, but he's he's getting pulled into, and you know, it's just a matter of survival in that. So it's it's just it's a interesting story, and you know, it's got some some cool art and all that. So I I recommend you check this out, and it's it's a it's 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 cool. It's a cool comic, so I I I dig it. And then the weird thing is at Image, I didn't read. I don't think I read anything at Image this week. Uh, so what came out like deep beyond number 10 I'm not reading that um, King Spawn issue four I really want to get into spawn comics but I just I think I think I read the first issue or started reading the first issue and it was just it didn't grab me right away and and the main reason is there it wasn't like completely new reader friendly there was like some reference I was like what I'm like okay I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, there's that. I didn't read anything there. And then nothing at Dark Horse at, at IDW. I didn't read anything. So so yeah, I mean it's it's really kind of kind of weird that there's there's that. But it made things a little easier for me. At DC, we had uh Batman 117. What I realized, do 116 and 117 so I'm looking at Comicsology. And I didn't realize it, but it looks like these two covers are like connecting covers. That, that's that's pretty cool. So this issue, oh my gosh, it, um, I think maybe is this the end of of a uh, fear state? Oh man! So it, it's it's been a good story. It's been very uh, 
ambitious. You know, there's been a lot going on, but man, I feel like this, it's been going on forever. And this Simon, was this Simon Saint? I said, I can't remember. How can I not remember the guy's name? He's been around forever. But just this whole thing, it feels like it's just gone on way too long. And then you scarecrows, you know, crazy shenanigans. And uh, I'm, I'm just so glad it's over. Uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of cool moments and cool events, which, which I guess is the same thing as moments. What am I saying? But my goodness, it's just, it's gone on forever. And it just, it felt like it just escalated way too, too much. You know, that the fact that, okay, you got a mayor, newly elected mayor, and maybe, you know, part of his agenda is like, you know, look, we're not going to have vigilantes, you know, you know, it shouldn't, we shouldn't have mass people with no accountability and stuff like that. Okay, I get it. But then to bring in like all these soldiers, these armed soldiers or robots or whatever, and just the extent of things is like, okay, if there's vigilantes, we're going to shoot at them just out in the streets. Who cares if anyone's around? Oh, we're going to have martial law. We're going to have curfews and, and stuff like that. And if anyone's out, they're going to get shot. It's just like, it just got so extreme and everything like that. Just It's like this big war against masks, you know, people wearing masks. And it, it just, it got out of hand. So um, I actually read Nightwing before this issue, and and there's a there's some like crossover, with, you know, between like with same scenes, same thing happening. So it was a good ending. Um, part of it felt like it almost went a little little faster, and I don't know if it's maybe it's because I read Nightwing first and then Batman, but then in Batman we do see his his part against Scarecrow and with Miracle Molly. So like I said, there's some some cool moments here. And then there's also some stuff with the the Batgirls and um, going up against Anti-Oracle. Uh, we do find out more about Anti-Oracle in this issue. And and for me, it's just a little, oh, here we go. But that's, that's fine. So then Nightwing 86 is uh, Nightwing and, and others, you know, that they're trying to take down the the flying sky base that the magistrates things are in there you know controlling everything and and try to get them out so there's some, a lot of cool moments there and uh there's also some uh what what's the word i'm looking for some progress there's there's reper- not repercussions jeez why am i not thinking this is not a good sign i'm just starting a podcast progression i said progress but uh, it's basically something between dick and uh barbara is is kind of mentioned explored so you have that to, to to look forward to justice league issue 69 this is dealing with checkmate <laughs> and and i feel like it's weird because you know in the the is it checkmate comic the ryan michael bendis and alex Maleve. So that, you know, I, I've questioned when that, like, where does that take place? Is that in continuity and, and so forth? But then now we're seeing more uh, of this war fight against Checkmate here. And, you know, we have these other uh, people dressed up as Deathstroke. So it's like, what's up with that? Why are there, like, three Deathstrokes attacking? And, you know, we find out a little bit more here and, and what's going on. And, you know, why are they attacking Lois Lane's brother and, and stuff like that? So it moves things forwards there. And then there's more uh, Justice League Dark, which I, I, I don't know why I have such a problem with Justice League Dark, but it's just, I just, it's like I refuse to read. It's like I don't want to read. I don't know what my problem is. And it's annoying. It's annoying to me. I, I can't pinpoint it down. I need to read The Joker Presents the Puzzle Box, um, a puzzle box. 
I need I need to read that sometimes. So it's issue ten, director's cut is listed here. So I need to read that. Oh, I realized. Oh man, I didn't read uh, Suicide Squad issue nine came out. What happened here? Amanda Waller needs one last item before she can begin her invasion on Earth three, which I'm not super crazy about that. The problem. It's locked in a vault on Oa, the solution, squad in space. Meanwhile, Rick Flagg is assembling his own squad to take down Waller. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the whole, I mean, Amanda Waller going to other Earths in the multiverse and kidnapping people and forcing them to be in her squad. That just doesn't seem cool. It, and I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. It's like it's one thing to take a criminal and stick a bomb in their head and make them you know do whatever, but to take someone else on another Earth... That seems to be crossing lines that are already crossed. I don't know. Then Green Lantern issue eight. I had a hard time with with this issue. Just I, I don't know what it is. So things are a mess, and I think that's part of the problem. Like the, just the whole destruction of the Green Lantern Corps, and you know what's going on, and we we find out there's stuff with the Guardians and more like hidden secret past stuff, and it's like who's responsible, who's what's going on, and and we, we we're getting some answers here. Um, John Stewart is also, he's going through some changes. You know, he's really amped, amped up. And, you know, it's like, what, what's the deal with that? And then there's the Joe Moline, which I I kind of regret not reading um, Far Sector. Is that the comic? Because you know, I really don't know much about her, but I like her character. I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to know more about her. And, yeah, I, obviously I can go back and, and read Far Sector, but... I can barely read the comics as they come out to just go back and start reading, you know, a series that's whatever it came out before. Things are just getting kind of messy here. And uh, so hopefully we'll get some rebuild soon or because I, I feel like I feel like we've kind of been in this holding pattern for a while where, you know, things are just not great. And I get why we do that. You know, you have to shake things up to the core, you know, shake up the status quo. Otherwise, things can get boring. But it's almost like it's just way too much, and it's like, come on, we need to, we need to try to try to fix this, do something. So, we'll have to see what what happens here. A nice house on the lake. So I'm I'm just really digging that this comic. This one felt weird. It's almost like it it felt like it went by kind of fast, but it wasn't really that fast. We we get some more flashbacks because you know they so did the group of people that are staying in this house, um, and I. See, a part of me feels like I need to recap the whole premise of this, but I'm assuming if you're listening, you've probably been listening to the past times I've mentioned. Uh, I talk about the other five issues. So this this group is trapped in this nice house in the lake because the world is like ending, but they've been selected, and you know they're there's sort of like a force field or whatever, and they don't know they don't understand what's going on. But there's this other structure, and they finally got in, and there's someone in there, someone that they know. So it's like, what's up with that? And he, you know, kind of explains some things, and we see some flashbacks with this person and with Walter, the quote-unquote person, whatever that brought them all, you know, pulled him into this. So I have no idea where this is going, but it's it's just it's it's something. Then we have Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue five. So this is a huge issue that everyone's talking about. So Tom Taylor was even like on CNN. A lot of every, what's what what is all the hubbub about? John Kent is kissing. What is this person? This guy's name that he's he's kissing. I don't remember. His, so his new friend, which I feel bad, we're five issues in, and I don't even remember what what the the character's name is, but. I thought overall the issue, it was just an okay issue. 
So there's this nation, this leader of this other nation, and the guy is, is basically evil. And John is getting involved. There are some like refugees from the country, from the island or whatever. They were trying to come to the United States, and then the government's like, you know, they can't do that. And but John's like overstepping his legal bounds and trying to stick up for them, you know, trying to do the right thing, even though that's not the protocol or whatever. And so he's kind of going up against this evil person and they do something to him that like over amps his powers and, you know, and he's going out trying to save everyone. And at one point he comes back and he's with his new friend and then they kiss. So it's like, it it felt like, I don't know, maybe they sense vibes off each other, but I don't know. And, and then because of the nature of things, they didn't really get a chance to talk about things because, you know, there, there's so many people to save and uh, all that. So we'll see. But other than that, uh, we'll, we'll see. Good for John. Then we have Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, issue five. I didn't. I wasn't going to read this, but I, I'm just like, are we going to find out Crypto is alive? Because I think they said he died, right? Or maybe he's healing. Maybe he's just being tended to and he's in a coma. So Supergirl and this this other alien girl, they're I think they finally track down the dude responsible and then he teleports them to another planet that has like a green sun or like a kryptonite sun or something like that. So Supergirl's like weak during the day and things are it's not a the safest planet. There's big giant creatures and stuff like that. So yeah, there's that. Blue and gold issue four. This was a this was was a fun issue, and uh, you know what what so Ryan Sook does the art, but there's some flashback scenes. Basically, Booster and Blue Beetle are telling this story. They're doing like this interview, and they're talking about this like basically kind of like their first time they met each other when they first went on a mission or something like that, and their tellings of the story is kind of different. So Kevin McGuire, he does Blue Beetle's version and dan jurgen does the art for booster's version so it's really cool seeing you know these these classic art styles you know mixed with ryan sook's art so it's it's a fun book it's i i feel like because it's it's not super serious that feels like it's not super serious of a book but it is it should be so it's it's nice to have the two characters back together like as they should be so so that that's cool um, oh, I realized I didn't read Big B, Batman versus Big B, Wolf in Gotham. I wasn't super crazy about the second issue. Uh, I actually, I, I didn't read the second issue. I started and just kind of skimmed. So I don't know if I'm going to try on that. I was super excited. I mean, I, I love fables. and But just just like the, kind of like an attitude in the comics and, and the fact that it's like out, so out of continuity. I mean, it's, it's not, it's like a different earth or something like that you know it doesn't even feel you know with the more multiple robins and all that it's it's a different earth so i don't know i was tempted to read nubia and amazons because i read the first issue but i just i didn't read this one (laughs) is that sound bad is that weird is that lame but i was just i just yeah i couldn't get into it refrigerator full of heads issue two so this is kind of like a a sequel or spinoff to a basket full of heads. So, um, and there is a character from basket full of heads that is in this issue. I don't know if 
they're mentioned in the preview. They are mentioned in the preview, so you can look at that. Uh, but I don't want to mention it. So, um, but it's 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 cool to have the tie into the first series and just to kind of see, okay, where is this character at after that? You know, what are they doing? And it's not not going to be a good thing for for this character. And then there, there's more with the this other couple who is came across the axe. A lot of people are inter- interested in the axe and what's going on. Things do get get messy. I should have read this. Maybe I will read this. Uh, Batman Secret Files the Gardener. I don't know when this character first appeared. And maybe they just recently... Okay, I'm going to get that issue. Um, maybe this is a, a new character. But yeah, so we have the Gardener's secret origin in here. You know, learned not only how Bella Garten... Garten came to know Pamela Isley, but how she was integral to the origin of the woman who would one day be known to all as Poison Ivy. Oh, that was the other thing. There's there's some um, developments with Poison Ivy and and Batman. So that was was weird. The Wonder Woman Evolution. I felt like this was. I felt like I read this before the story before or something because it was weird. I, I don't know where this fits, and I don't know if this is a main continuity because Wonder Woman has been gone, and I think she's back. I still haven't read the regular, the last issue of Wonder Woman or the last two issues where I think she's back, but I don't know, is she back? Anyways, so like reading this, it felt like it was almost like a like an out-of-continuity story, and I was just like really confused with what was going on. So that, uh, that was everything that I read at DC. At Marvel, we have uh, Amazing, <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man issue 78.bey. Oh, they're doing this weird numbering thing again. So B-E-Y is for Beyond. I, I, I didn't like this comic. I, I wasn't super crazy about it. This is mainly, you know, even though it's an Amazing Spider-Man comic, this is mainly mainly um, the Daughters of the Dragon. This is Colleen Wing and Misty Knight, which, you know, they're cool characters. And, and I, I do like that they have a place to shine, to be, to be active, because it's like they've been neglected for, for so long. So they're working with the Beyond Corporation, and they're helping train Ben Riley, which I think is ridiculous that he needs to be trained. It's like, no, this is friggin' Spider-Man. And uh, it's like, doesn't shouldn't he have all of Spider-Man's skills, at least from Amazing Spider-Man 149 or 141? When was he cloned? Because, you know, Spider-Man held his own against so many. So even if he's a y- younger clone, he's done all it. And then he's, it's not like he's done nothing since, you know, he trying to, you know, go up against Kane, you know, all these years. And, and then as a Scarlet Spider, you know, he's done a lot of stuff. And then he came back and he was a Scarlet Spider again. So I, I just feel like they're treating him like such a novice, so inexperienced. So they're doing like a, it starts off and Spider-Man's hardly, Ben Riley's hardly in this issue. It starts off where he's doing like a, a training simulation and he he's barely making it through you know it's like this uh hell avengers mansion you know or mansion from hell or you know it's a really dark thing and you know he barely makes it through but then later colleen and misty are sort of like in this simulation thing and they they can handle it like nothing so it's like 
they're that much better than Amazing. And I'm not I'm not saying that Spider-Man has to be better than them or anything like that, but Spider-Man is Spider-Man. You know, he's got the spider senses. He can take on, like, he took on the entire X-Men in, in Secret Wars and, you know, in an enclosed little room. He beat up Fire Lord. So it's just... Ugh. So it's mainly about them, and so it was it was okay, but yeah, that's uh, that's my problems with with it. Then we have Dark Ages issue three, and so this is Tom Taylor and Iban Coelho. This is very dreary of a book. What happened in the first issue? You know, the lights went out. There's a big constant EMP blast going out that's taken out all of any electronic device type of thing. And uh, it's just like it's new world order, you know, just trying to survive everything like that. So everything is restructured and, you know, just new civilizations, whatever, communities trying to, you know, survive against the evilness in the world, you know, everything. So with the the last issue, uh, Tony Stark was taken. He was tricked. Mystique came posing as Captain America and they abducted him because Apocalypse has some I, I okay i'm like wait is it apocalypse i was because i was thinking dark side it's like no, it's not dark obviously not dark side uh apocalypse has some evil plans and stuff like that and they need to they they realize they they soon realize because you know you got people like like uh laura wolverine that can like mystique was here but things things get pretty bad things get uh pretty brutal in this issue and that's the good thing about books like this. But then that's also the bad thing. It's just like, man, it's such a downer. It's it's good and it's bad that you know there's like the free reign that people can die or get mutilated or whatever. So it's just like, wow. And speaking of downer, uh, the Darkhold Wasp. I forgot what the second one was. I see it doesn't show up here. Um, I didn't read Darkhold Blade, but I read Darkhold Iron Man, and that was like a dark story. Which and and uh, the Wasp stories, this is, it's not that it's depressing or anything like that, but it, we see Janet when she's like with Hank and just trying to live her life and be in a marriage and with Hank being so focused on science and, you know, his other issues and just, you know, his anger and it's just like the neglect and the, and not necessarily abuse, but kind of like emotional abuse because like sometimes he's like quick to snap at her. Because, you know, he's so focused on his lab work or whatever. And then, you know, then he realizes he catches himself. But that still doesn't make it okay. So it's just, uh, and things just get dark. It's just like, whoa. Then we have Fantastic Four Anniversary Tribute. Um, I I stopped reading this. I started, I, I was like, oh, man, I got this issue. But I was, like, looking through it. It's basically, because when I read it, it's like, okay, it's, it's by Stanley Jack Kirby. But then there's art by... All like so many awesome creators. So it's basically Fantastic Four number one, redrawn and all that. It's a cool idea and everything. Like and you know I've I've said this so many times. I've always wondered what it'd be like to see this issue drawn by someone else. You know it'd be like a totally different thing. But I I feel like part of the thing with this is the origin's been told so many times, and I feel like there's been so many tribute issues. And, you know, as I started reading it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a story. It's like, okay, so if I flip through a few pages, Human Torch is going to melt through the car, the hot rod. That drives me nuts that he would just do that. Instead of opening the door, stepping outside, then flaming on, he melts the car. And I don't even think it was his his car. It was whether it's a friend's car or a co-owned you know, car. So, yeah, I didn't read the whole thing. But maybe I should go back and check out the different art since that's it's a cool idea. 
Um, Kazar, Kazar uh, 3 came out. I'm not reading that. I decided I'm not going to. King to Conquer, issue 4. It's an interesting book and series. I didn't love this issue. You know, it's more about King. I mean, we're seeing that he's a complex character. And, you know, he's this evil guy, but, you know, it started, he didn't want to be evil. And we, we see like young King and old King, you know, old King is trying to teach young, his younger self, his past self, to how to, what to do and how to basically be evil type. And, you know, like one of the things is like, it's like, don't, don't fall in love or something like that. But he's like, no, he's like, cause there's Ravona, Ravona Renslayer. Things get more complex for King as he's, you know, trying to work through his life and, you know, to go what do what he thinks he should do and then he realizes what he's doing and, and, and so forth. Then we have Moon Knight issue five. So someone is targeting Moon Knight, making his life difficult and, you know, trying to cause these problems. And, and we get more answers here. You know, we, we get to see more. So I, it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Tiger is not in this issue. Her, her name is, is, is mentioned, but I don't, so I'm assuming, I thought we were going to be seeing more Tiger, so that'll be cool. But at the same time, you know, it's not like we need to see her all the time. You know, Moon Knight doesn't, he doesn't need anyone. He shouldn't need anyone, but uh, it's, it's going to be cool to see if, if, you know, she does show back up, show back up, show up again. How about that? And uh, yeah, so, but Moon Knight is, and there's also some of his, uh, his therapy sessions and, you know, he he really starts because his therapist is like, you know, you're not being honest with me. You're holding back. And he's like, I've told you everything. And then he really goes into some things and, and talks about how his life was and the decisions he's made and stuff like that. So it's, it's always cool to see like that, the detail of that, you know, insight on himself and, and self-analysis. And so there, there's some cool moments there. So I, I, I enjoyed this. And, of course, we see Moon Knight just being a badass. So it's cool things there. Um, Sword issue ten, not super crazy about this. So we have Wiz Kid, which I, I really don't care about Wiz Kid. And what we saw, I think, it was the last issue. I feel like it was the last issue where Wiz Kid is like betraying Krakoa, the X Men, with Henry Gyrich. It's like really, and we see more about that here, like what what he's doing and planning and everything like that. So, and then there's there's like another kind of layer to to things that. But I kind of don't care because it's Wiz Kid, and and I can't, I don't like Henry Guyrich because he's just an obnoxious jerk, and he's supposed to be. That's that's his his role. But it's just like ugh, just go away. Shang Chi issue six. I was reading this late at night, and I made a mistake. I was like laying down reading it, and then I'm like fighting, falling asleep because it's so late, and I should be sleeping. Uh, and then I'm like almost falling asleep. Then then I got my second wind, and I started going. So there's more, um, you know, Shang Chi and you know his his what's what's it called, the, his order that he's taken over, but he's been going up against a lot of different heroes and that, and they're kind of looking at the outskirts because they know who he is, you know, and did I say Shang Chi, Shang Chi, I'm going back to my old ways, and so they're not quite sure if he, you know, because he's he's taken up an evil organization, you know, that was his dad's, and they're still not sure if he's turned evil or if he can be trusted. So yeah, so you can see, you know, they're fighting Thor and things get a little intense here. And then Spider-Woman issue 17, Jessica goes on set to her friend. So Lindsay, her Lindsay McCabe, 
has been in town and helping watch her Jessica's kid. But she's uh, filming this movie. You know, she's a, a stunt woman, and uh, someone on set, one of the, that, I think the actress she's doubling for is a big fan of Spider Woman, so she wanted her to come on set. And so, but this, she's just so annoying. This actress, and you know, she's like hitting the stunt people because she's an actress and they should be able to take it. And she doesn't care that it's like, no, you don't hit people. You know, when you're doing stunts. So it's just, it was just a lot of that was a little annoying. And then um, there's some, some bad things are, are going down. Lindsay was kind of involved in some things that she didn't tell Jessica about, and that's, it's going to involve ninjas. Yeah, we're going to have to deal with ninjas. And then X-Force 25. <laughs> What's going on here? There's some stuff with, with Quentin and the, wait, was it Quentin in this one? Wait. Did I skip an issue? There's something happened in one of the issues. I don't think I skipped. So there's stuff that happens with Quentin. Yeah, Kid Omega, Quentin Quire, and Phoebe. So that that's if you're following their relationship, you're gonna want to read read this. But the other thing, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to see if it says anything in the synopsis. The island paradise of Krakoa has no shortage of beautiful vistas, but Wolverine's tastes run towards the coves with the deadliest waves in the world. It will take more than a healing factor to survive this. This thresher as a previously unknown threat to mutant kind splashes down. So basically Wolverine gets a surfboard and, and uh, I forgot what is, if there's some, something else to it, but it's also like coated with a, like adamantium and it's like super sharp. <laughs> so it's like, how can he even carry it? Cause he's just like touching it. His fingers like bleeding. So Wolverine apparently is a huge surfer. When did this happen? Has there ever been any mention? Has he ever hinted that he thinks surfing is awesome? And because he's talking about like yeah, going through what I don't even I'm not even gonna try to act like I know the lingo or whatever. But it's like it's better than the best sex and this or whatever. It's just the thrill of you know. <laughs> And then there's, it's, so it's this part of Krakoa, just like these killer, brutal waves, and he just gets battered, and he's it, it, it just tears up his skin, you know, just a. And but the other thing that that drives me nuts is, well, one, how heavy is his board if it's coated with adamantium? And I forget if it's made of something else. If it's, I don't, I, I feel like it, and I'm not going to go back. I could open the comic and read it, but I, I feel like there was something else because wouldn't that make it heavier? Which maybe that doesn't matter. But then the other thing, I don't know what it's called, but usually your surfboard is tethered to your foot. So what if you do fall off or whatever, it doesn't you can you can get it back. But Wolverine doesn't have this, so he goes flying off and he starts sinking and you see his skin's all like shredded from the waves and everything. But then he gets saved from by some other there's these other surfers and I think they're mutants. Yeah, so it's like, why are they suddenly here? And things don't go too well. And Wolverine's going to be a big idiot for, because he's like, yeah, he's like, this is the island and this is where we do this. And <laughs> Wolverine, and there's a part where he, he's surfing and he pops his claws. And you know where you see the shots where you're running your hand through the water when you're going through the tunnel, but he's got his claws going through the waves. <laughs> when did Wolverine become a surfer? I don't know. <laughs> but what I do know is, that is going to be comics for the week. All right, with Dexter, sees, Dexter New Blood, 
season one, episode two, Storm of uh, 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 of of F. Let's say that Dexter, he's sitting at a table with Harrison. So what's he going to do now? He's wondering what he could say to the son that he abandoned. And then he's just like, you got big. He makes him a sandwich and Harrison's like, like looking around the living room. He sees a bowling team photo and basically like the life that Dexter's created. And he finally says, so you're not dead. <laughs> and Dexter says that he knows this must be hard. Harrison's like this. No, he's like growing up without a dad. That was hard. And he mentions uh, opening a letter and finding out that uh, he let him believe he was dead all these years. And that was brutal. Dexter's like, oh, Hannah showed you the letter. And he's like, no, I found it when she died. And he's like, oh, I didn't know. So she died of pancreatic cancer. um, And it was three years ago. Dexter's like, well, where have you been? And Harrison's like, you know, social worker, put him on a plane from Buenos Aires to Miami. He bounced around foster homes. He finally decided to find Dexter. He went to Oregon because I guess he he was there. And he's like, there's a lot of Jim Lindsay's like in the, you know, the phone book or whatever. And Dexter's like, you know, that was the point why he made this name. Then he found a picture of him on Instagram. Some guy, Fred on a bowling team, uh, bragged about a gym bowling a 300. And he's like, what's with this gym BS? And he's like, what happened to Dexter Morgan? And Dexter's like, that's not who he is anymore. He's like, Dexter had to die. And he's like, it's a long story. So he tells him to get him some, to, to get some rest. He'll tell him everything in the morning. He offers his bedroom, but uh, Harrison's like, no, I'll take the couch, whatever. And he just asks for the bathroom. Then Dexter hears like a tapping coming from outside and there's a bullet tapping against the window. So it's 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 Deborah. And then Deborah's like, you're not listening. You know, the window is like shatters. And he, he tells her that he needs him here to keep him from killing again. And then she appears from behind him. She grabs him like from behind. She like, grabs like his lower jaw. <laughs> it was like she's going like, to rip it off. And she's just like yelling. She calls him a selfish psycho. And if by some GD miracle he doesn't end up killing him, he sure is poop will F him up and then she shoves a bullet in his mouth and then he he comes out of it and he's he's looking at Harrison um you know he's back at the table like eating a sandwich and then he tells himself that he's not going to F him up so then we see this girl in like a hotel room she like takes a shower she comes out she drinks some champagne eats some like chocolate covered strawberries and someone's like watching her on a camera so I'm like wait where does this come from I I still not quite sure was this the the girl the hitchhiker or no well, i mean not the hitchhiker i mean she was i guess she wasn't hitchhiking but the, the girl that went to the bar asking for a burger and then angela gave her money i mean it could be i mean that's that's the only thing that would make sense to me uh in the morning dexter's looking at harrison sleeping he tells himself to go back to the daily routine he goes outside but then he sees a trail of blood on the snow so he figures, you know, since Harrison's a teen, he'll probably sleep till noon. He starts covering up the, the snow with a shovel, but then a couple cop cars and like a few other trucks start coming up. Angela tells him that Matt Caldwell disappeared. So that was like the rich, you know, annoying guy that Dexter just killed. He disappeared out in the woods yesterday. And since Dexter's place is close to all the public hunting grounds, she was hoping they could set up base camp for the search there. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, anything. Um, another cop says, you know, he probably got cold and, you know, they'll find him in some motel. But then this other cop's like, well, or he could be out there freezing to death. Angela says that, or she asks if she can use his kitchen table to make herself some tea. 
And he's like, yeah. And she's about to go in. Then he remembers Harrison's in there. So he, he turns it like to stop her. Um, and Harrison opens the door and he's like, what's going on? And she asks him, she's like, who's this? So he introduces, um, he's like, oh, I'm Harrison. I'm Jim's son. And she's surprised, but she's like, oh, she's like, welcome to Iron Lake. He's about to go inside when a cop tells him that his wood's going to rot if he doesn't put a, a good tarp over it because he used a tarp to put under Matt when he was going to kill him and everything. He's like, yeah, I'll get right on that. Inside, Angela asks Harrison if he came there by himself, and he said that he's used to moving around a lot. She's like, is, your mother wasn't worried? Dexter comes in and is like, oh, what are you talking about? And Harrison says, mom, like she passed away. And then he says that that's why he came up there. Angela asks if he's here for good then. And he says, yeah, I already haven't talked about that yet. Angela says like, well, you should meet my daughter, Audrey. She's about your age. And Dexter's like silent throughout this whole thing. Cause he's like, you know, crap, what do I say? So Angela, you know, she gets her tea, goes outside. Dexter thanks Harrison for covering for him. And he's like, well, I didn't do it for you. I just didn't want a cop all up in my business. And Dexter thinks like father, like son. So the search party, um, they get sent out. There's a mention of sending out a drone, and Dexter's like, great, you know, because that's all he needs, you know, more eyes looking. And you know, he already saw the blood, so he already knows that there could be other things. A Angela mentions, you know, they're close to the Seneca land, so there's like a, you know, Native American reservation. And she says that they can't have a bunch of people trampling over reservation land. Dexter thinks that, you know, if he missed a blood trail to his own cabin, what else did he miss? So he tells Angela that he and Harrison can check out an area. And she's like, no, we have it covered. And then he pushes. He's like, oh, but it's rough, you know, terrain. And, you know, my RTV could handle it. And she's like, fine, you and your son can take it. And so she's not too happy with what's going on. So then this one cop, I think his name was Logan, he tries flying the drone and he ends up crashing into a tree so dexter's like oh at least you know some things are, are going for me we see the girl in a hotel room again she's like throwing up now and you know she's in the bathroom and she's like sobbing um you can see like you know still some strawberries like on the bed and a bottle on the floor she's so she drank too much champagne and she crawls back into bed angela then she goes to some big mansion and we're like, okay, what's up with this? At first, I was like, is this Matt Caldwell's dad? Because he's like, you know, you don't know who my dad is and whatever. Dexter is driving erratically, like in the RTV, because he's trying to drive over all the blood trails that, like, cover it up. They talk a bit. And Harrison's like, you know, why this area? You, do you hate nice weather? And Dexter's like, well, you know, it's nice and peaceful. Then Harrison sees the dead deer. He's like, what's that? So he tells Harrison this could be a crime scene uh, if the deer was killed on Seneca land, it's against the law to kill them. So they need to tell Angela. He asks Harrison, he's like, can you drive the RTV back? And he's like, tell Angela and get them back here and I'll make sure that no one disturbs the scene. Then Dexter tells himself that he needs to find a source of the blood trail. At the mansion, Angela talks to this guy, Edward, uh, and this was the guy that was being protested against at, at the diner. So, you know, he, whatever, he owns like all this stuff. He's a big business dude. She mentions that they have a lost hunter and he's like, oh, you probably want to use my helicopter. And she thanks him, and she's about to leave. But then he stops, and he's like, that young woman leading a protest, that, was that your daughter? And he's like, you know, every, he's, or he says, like, her generation sees things in a binary way. They don't see all the good that he, I do, all the charity work, including, you know, to the Seneca people. Dexter's trying to figure out where he screwed up. Deborah's laughing, saying, you know, they say killers always return to the scene of the crime. Then he thinks back that he realizes when he hit Matt with the rifle, 
he smacked his head, the back of his head on a rock. So he digs around her and he finds like a rock with like some gunk, you know, skull or brain or whatever on there. He has some Windex in his bag and he starts like spraying it and, and Deborah keeps laughing. She goes on about, you know, Harrison being there just, just one day and he's out in the woods, you know, looking for, for someone already. So Dexter, you know, runs up by the road. Uh, you know, there's a road nearby. He plants one of Matt's gloves and he returns to the dead buck and there's some Seneca dudes there. One guy, Abraham, he's like, hey, Jim. And he mentions a white buck left there to rot. Jim's like, what a waste. And Abraham's, he's like, you know, he's like, none of none of us would have done something like this. And Jim's like, do you think maybe Matt Caldwell would? You know, he was hunting out here. He's like, explain why we can't find him. And Angela and Teddy arrive with others. Abraham tells Angela, he's like, this is BS. He's like, uh, the Caldwell kid probably did this. He panicked and ran. And then uh, I think this one, then Teddy's like, the, the highway is just a couple clicks away. He's like, he could have hitched out of town. And Angela's like, well, it's plausible. And she says, you know, there's there's no evidence tying Matt to the deer. So they're all trampling the area. Um, so she's like, you know, please, you know, back up. Abraham says it's funny how a Caldwell kid goes missing and the whole town shows up. But one of their girls goes missing and it's like, oh, runaways will come back. So he tells Angela one of the days she's going to have to pick a side. So we're probably assuming that she grew up in a Seneca reservation or something like that. And, you know, now she's hanging out with the white folk in town. So that's probably what, what he's getting at. So she looks at the deer and she's like, or they, they figured that the slug's still inside because there's no exit wound. Dexter, she's like, well, I, I could bring some similar ammo that I sold to Matt to see if it's a match. Then Fred Jr. comes running up. And he found a glove by the highway. So Dexter mentally thanks him. And then Logan, the cop says, he's so Logan seems to be, wait, so I think Logan is, if I got this right, Logan's like the more, organized more straightforward cop and teddy i think is the the goofy you know less experienced one because logan's he's like well it might not even be matt's glove and then fred jr says he's like well he had gloves like that when he came into the store so then uh angela sees there's some smudges of blood on it jim offers um the use of his deer sled on, on his rtv then she's you know she's a good good job for your first crime scene if he keeps it up she's gonna have to deputize him as they head out, Harrison, he's like, why aren't you a cop anymore? And Dexter's like, well, technically, I wasn't actually a cop. And, you know, he's like, well, mom said you were. And he says that it just got to be too much, and he's happier now. At the cabin, there's a bunch of high school kids show up um, to help with the search. Harrison sees Audrey. And then Dexter, he's like, he's like, oh, do you want to help with the goats? Because he's, you know, he's got a bunch of goats. So it turns out that Harrison growing up in Buenos Aires, they had a goat, sheep, and chicken. And then he, you know, he looks over at Angela and her friends and Dexter's like, he says he has to head to the store to get some bullets. And he says he knows how hard it is around new people. You know, he's like, it was awkward for him in high school. And Harrison's like, he says he did fine without him. He's like, I'll be fine for a couple more hours. And then he just goes and he walks up to Audrey and, you know, starts talking to them. In the truck, Deborah mentions how Harrison isn't the awkward budding serial killer like he was. And he starts, or she starts yelling at him. He's loving that he's getting away with murder. He can't wait to kill again. He's going to fail the kid. And he just screams like, stop. <laughs> and, and there's like someone outside. I don't know if, she, if this lady like heard him scream, but then she's just like, hey, Jim. And she's like waves to him. So Audrey and Harrison are talking about uh, their parents dating. And he says that he's like, well, you know, that doesn't make this awkward at all. And she's like, well, it doesn't matter. She's like, knowing my mom, it won't last long. She's married to her job. 
And she asks him if he wants to go on a search with them. And she introduces him to a couple guys, Zach and Scott. Uh, the girl in the hotel room, she's sleeping. This guy is, keeps watching on her computer. And he's able to like zoom in on her. So it's like some creepy dude. And again, it's like, what's going on here? They take the deer to cut the deer open. And uh, the butcher guy is like doing the cutting. He says that the shooter didn't really know what he was doing because it's a mess in there, shattered shoulder, like all this stuff. He reaches in, finds a slug. It's a hollow point seven mag. So it's a close match. Dexter says it says that he should get, you know, see where, where Harrison is. And Angela's like, oh, he's with Audrey and other. He'll be fine. We, on the other hand, need to talk. And he's like, uh oh. He's like, you know, it's never a good thing when, you know, your girlfriend says, we need to talk. The kids end up by some cabins, and Audrey says that she's like, well, they have everyone looking, plus they have a helicopter, they don't really need them. And plus, Matt was an entitled jerk, so they're going to party. Uh, it turns out that the locks were changed. So when kids tries like, like, you know, busting the lock open or whatever, and Harrison's like, oh, she's like, I got this. So Dexter's preparing for the worst. Angela says that, you know, she's thrilled that Harrison is here. She knew that he'd been private about his past. It's okay. Everyone has secrets. For instance, she says she's not Audrey's birth mother. And Jim's like, you adopted her? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, you know, now we can talk parenting, the pressure, the worry, the guilt. She says, this is me sharing. I'm giving you an opening to share back. And he says that, you know, he doesn't know if he can always be the father that Harrison needs him to be. She says that, she feels that way about being a mom every day. She says it doesn't matter because Audrey needs her, just like Harrison needs him. All he really needs to do is just show up. And she says, you know, Harrison will probably love it there. And Audrey and her friends are probably, you know, taking great care of him. We see them inside one of the cabins. Audrey's like smoking pot, offers it to Harrison, but he's like, oh, I'm good. And one of the other kids, uh, Scott, he's like, oh, are you a straight edge or something? And Audrey's like, I don't think that's a thing anymore. And this other kid's like, what are you, a Mormon? And he's like, Harrison's like, I have a history with drugs. He's like, I got clean a couple years ago, though. And they ask about his mom, and he mentions, oh, my mom, my, you know, my stepmom died. And he says that, you know, they're like, oh. And he's like, he's cold, so he's going to go get some wood. One of the kids like, you know, we don't know anything about him. He's like, you know, we, we're trapped with him in the woods, you know. And just other kids like, well, we could know about him. They start looking in his backpack. Audrey tries stopping them, but not, like, too hard. One of the kids finds a notebook with like some drawings of people in there and like that. And then Harrison sees them looking, you know, he comes back in. So he like bangs on a shelf to let them know that he's coming. So, you know, they can like rush to put things back. The girl in the hotel room who wakes up with a, like a slight daze, she go, goes to her, her backpack and she looks on a bed and she's like, where the F is my phone? And she noticed it looks like the door doesn't have a doorknob now. It's like, I don't know if it wasn't like that or maybe it's locked. I mean, we don't see anything, but she starts screaming. She's like, let me out. And then she sees a camera because like in a the corner, there's like th three lights and it's like a little thing. And like the middle light is clearly a camera because there's like the big red light on and everything like that. She, she stands by the chair and looks at the camera like uh, behind on, underneath the camera. There's like a message written. You're already dead. So <laughs> again, no idea what's going on here, but obviously this is going to probably lead Dexter somehow. Oh, actually, I think I know who, who okay, I think I know who this girl is. Okay, <laughs> I, I just figured it out. I'll, I'll get to it when, I, when, when it comes up later. So Dexter's wondering when the search party is going to leave since, you know, he did so much. Angela drives up, says they don't believe Matt Caldwell's in the woods, so they're going to shut down the search. Matt's friend confirmed that the glove was Matt's. There was also deer blood on it, so he probably fled to avoid 
prosecution. So she mentions that they'll have to bring Harrison over for dinner sometimes, but it'll have to wait until after Audrey's being grounded. They all walk up and she's like, what? And Angela's like, did you not just spend a whole day or afternoon at the Roaring Forks summer camp? And the other kid's like, that's crazy. And Angela's like, you're literally wearing a Roaring Forks t-shirt that's two sizes too small right now. So Audrey says that, you know, since they're packing up, Matt must be fine. You know, he was an a-hole anyways. And Angela's like, that's not the point. She's like, you know, she's like, I didn't know where you were. And Audrey's like, I'm not Iris. This was mentioned before. So Iris is a Seneca girl who went missing. So the girl in a hotel room is probably this girl, Iris. That's probably the connection. Because at first I was thinking like, oh, is is Audrey going to get kidnapped by this creepy dude who kidnaps girls and, you know, watches them? That's probably Iris. And Dexter is probably going to get involved somehow. So then uh, inside later, you know, Dexter shows Harrison a cot and a few things that he got from him in case he decides to stay. Harrison says that he's not sure. Uh, you know, he's like, you know, I didn't come here for this. I just came for answers. And Dexter says, he's like, well, ask me whatever you want. And then he's like, why'd you leave us? And he's like, was it because of what you wrote in the letter? And Dexter's confused. So Harrison gets the, the letter and it says, reach out to me if Harrison shows any dark tendencies. And Harrison's like, what does that mean? He's like, what's wrong with me that you not only left, but you faked your own death to hide from me? And Dexter's like, it wasn't you. But then Harrison's like, you know, it was like, what did you see in me? And Dexter's like, it was nothing bad. He's like, he's like, you were perfect. He's like, it wasn't you that I was scared of. It was me. He's like, I've always had my demons and I was scared that I'd mess you up, that I'd pass that on. And so I went away because of what I am, not who you are or who you were. And Harrison's like, I don't understand. And, you know, he's like, I was, you know, I was in a dark place after I lost your mom and then Aunt Deb, you know, all that death. He's like, I just got lost. So he thought Harrison would thrive in Argentina with Hannah and walking away from him was the hardest thing he's ever done. He regrets it now because, you know, he never imagined that, you know, he'd end up alone. Uh, When Hannah told him that Dexter was dead, you know, he said he kept a photo by his bed and he would look at it every night. And then he saw the letter and he was so angry. So Dexter's like, I understand. He's like, maybe I can be there for you now. He's like, do do you really mean that? Dexter says, you know, if you're willing to risk a chance that I'll screw you up. And Harrison's, you know, he's like, stop acting like, you know, you're such an evil person. He's like, he's like, I don't remember a lot, but my memories of you are good. He's like, you know, the worst thing he ever did was leave me. So he's like, he's like, yeah, I'll stay for a while. And then Dexter's like, well, tomorrow we can talk about getting you set up for school. So then he brings out Angela another cup of tea. Deborah tells him that, you know, he doesn't have to enjoy this so much. She's like, you smug F. Then a a pickup pulls up and this dude comes out and he calls out to Angela. He's like, did you find him? So this guy is Kurt. And this is Matt's dad. So she says that they were trying to call him for hours. They found evidence that Matt may have committed a crime. And he's like, what crime? And she's like killing an animal on the reservation land. And, you know, there's evidence points to him fleeing the area. Kurt's like, no. He's like, he would have called me if he was in trouble. He always does. He's like, a poaching fine isn't going to scare him. So she's like, it's not just a poaching fine. She's like, Matt killed a white buck on reservation land. Then he starts yelling. He's like, we need to find my son now. So he starts talking to everyone. He's like, you know me or whatever. He's like, we need to stand up for me, for my family and all this stuff. And Andrew's like, fine, we'll, we'll keep searching throughout the night. So then he says that he's like, I'll find him if it's the last thing I, I do. He's like, no stone will go unturned. 
and then the camera kind of pans and like under the the fire pit we see like bags of like remains or stuff or like whatever and like the rifle and everything like that and underneath some stones so no stones will go and turn so it's interesting uh i i'm not sure how you feel about harrison you know the whole thing I, i'm not a big fan when they bring in kids into a show to I don't, I'm, you know, it always seems like they try to do it in the sitcoms. You know, they, they do it, bring in the cute kids, or try to make the funny and stuff like that. Obviously, that's not what they're doing here. It does add a a kink to you know Dexter's life because now he can't. I mean, he can't just go out and kill as he as he pleases. You know, he's he's got to be careful here. So it's going to be interesting to see what exactly this does. We'll see. And now that the fact that Matt's dad is so like rich and powerful. So, you know, he's not just going to let this go because normally they would see like, yeah, he took off. Where'd he go? And then, you know, maybe it'll just let it die down and forget about what happened, but he's not going to let this go. Um, and the fact that Dexter messed up with the blood trail, you know, he's, he's pretty rusty. So he's got to watch out. Okay. With Chucky season one, episode six, Cape queer instead of Cape fear. Uh, it starts off in Charleston, South Carolina. This guy in a suit, he gets out of this beat-up car. He has a gun. You know, he tucks it behind his, his back. He's with this woman. They go up to his house, and they're pretending to be from the U.S. Census. It's like the Morrison resident. The lady asks for the ages of, of the people and stuff like that. Then the guy asks if there's been any major damages, like fires or injuries or freak accidents. And they're like, no. Then he's like, any new dolls in the house? Because, you know, there's they have a daughter. And, you know, you can see some stuff in, in the living room. And the dad's like, what kind of census are you taking? And the lady, um, she tries to cover, and she says that it's a new thing to get the kids excited about the census. So they ask her to get some of her friends. Then, you know, she's like, she's like, is, they're like, is this everyone? And she's like, oh, I forgot Charlie. She comes back with a good guy doll. And it's like, hi, I'm Charlie. Want to play? And so there's like a weird pause there. You know, she, she's holding the she's like kind of like hugging the doll like holding and you can see like over her shoulder the doll like looks at the guy and and then the the guy the guy is andy andy barkley from the first child's play and from cult of chucky and i I think i don't know if he's in one of the other movies Hmm. (laughs) so then charlie says in chucky's voice you made me do this and the girl's like do what and then andy stands up pulls out his gun the parents freak out he shoots a doll in the head, and like blood splatters on the lady's face, and then the, the doll falls to the floor, and a doll yells, F you, Andy, and Andy and the lady, they stand over it, and they shoot it over and over again. There's like blood everywhere, and the lady's like, thank you for your cooperation. They get in the car, and they zip out of there. They're driving in the rain, and then she says that, she's like, well, the family's going to talk, and Andy's like, well, no one's going to believe them, and she's like, well, the little girl is going to be traumatized, and Andy's like, well, at least she'll still be alive. He's like, you know, we went through a lot as kids. Then I, this is where I realized, because at first I'm like, who's this lady? I was like, I don't remember there being someone else in Cult of Chucky, because, you know, Cult of Chucky ended with Andy getting locked up in the insane asylum, you know, when, when Nika escaped with, with the help of Chucky. This is, I finally realized who this, this was. This is uh, Kyle from Child's Play 2, who also is known as Emily Valentine from Beverly Hills 90210 if you watch that show so it's it's that actress but because she's old and everything I didn't didn't quite realize it at first and then I'm like oh yeah that's totally her so she asked him why he didn't tell her that he was keeping a living Chucky head locked in, in a safe and he's like yeah thanks for taking care of that 
And she's like, you didn't answer the question. He's like, why did you keep him alive for four years? And he's like, what's the matter? Then he says, you know, I'm from, you know, I went to military school. You know, you learn, you can learn a lot from a POW. And he says that, you know, he screams the loudest from fire. He's like, those screams were my favorite. And, you know, they're even louder than my own. She's like, is there just one more left? And he's like, one more doll anyways. And she's like, what aren't you telling me? So it's weird that, you know, how long have they been doing this? And, and you know, she doesn't know what's going on. There's a little time discrepancy that, well, I, I guess it doesn't matter. Okay, it, it doesn't have to line up perfectly, I guess. But he says that Chucky broke his soul into pieces, but his last one didn't go into a doll. And that's the one that went into Nika. So in Hackensack, in the science class, uh, they're doing some stuff. Detective Evans just busts in with other cops. So she tells the, the science teacher, the, the caring science teacher that's in like everyone's business, that she's under arrest for the murder of Megan, which I'm assuming that's the, the principal. Um, Oliver, the kid, and then the one detective dude that, that got stabbed with needles at the hospital. Devin stands up. He's like, Mom, she didn't do it. And then she whispers. She's like, how do you know she didn't do it? And he's like, I just do. So they, they take the, the teacher away. In the middle of class and all this, the kids are just alone, left alone in the classroom. And again, you do not leave kids alone in the classroom. <laughs> you, you think, I mean, I guess they can't go to the principal's office and let them know because there is no principal. But you would tell administrator, you would tell someone that, hey, we're about to arrest one of your teachers. You might want to get someone else in there. <laughs> so Lexi and Jake like run out and Lexi's, you know, she says that they know that she didn't do it. And Detective Evans is like, whatever. And Junior just glares at them. Devin's like, you know, we should have we should have told him about Chucky. And Jake's like, no one would believe us. He's like, you know, we just need to find him and kill him. They're like, we did kill him. But Jake's like, yeah, but we also what happened. So Lexi curses. She mentions Tommy, her sister's doll. She's like, now he's missing. And Jake's like, we have to find him. Then Devin's like, I have an idea. He's like, Andy Barkley. And Jake's like, who's that? He, exp- he explains who Andy Barkley is and everything like that. Then Lexi's like, okay, you know, meet at my place after school. So then we see Tiffany, uh, Jennifer Tilly, and she's trying to close her suitcase. So the, there's a body in there. Chucky and Nika's body is just laying on the couch, drinking a beer, and I think smoking a cigarette. Then he, Chucky, finally gets up and says, the key is smaller pieces. And Tiffany's just, like, getting mad, and she, like, chops a, a like a body part that's like sticking out and Chucky Nika gets splashed in the face with blood. And then it's like, is there a change? Because then uh, Chucky falls to his knees and falls over and Nika wakes up and it's like whimpering. Then it cuts to Hackensack 1987. This dude is showing a used like 1960s car or whatever to Charles, uh, Charles Lee Ray and Tiffany. And they're looking at all the stuff like that. Then she slashes his throat, and, and they just leave his body. I think they're, he he wanted to sell it for like a thousand dollars, whatever. But of course, they're not going to pay, so they just leave him in the body. They drive away, and or you know she's driving, and, and Charles is reading a book, or he's starting to read a book on voodoo. He's like, oh, it's just a hobby. In the present, Bree is hugging Logan. She's got tears, so they're about to tell Junior that you know she's sick, she's dying, or whatever. Logan tries saying it. He's like, your mother, your, your mother. But then he just leaves the room. So he, he just can't can't deal with it. Bree finally tells Junior that she's sick. She's like, it's cancer. And Jake overhears in the hall. And Junior's like, you're going to be okay, right? Then we see uh, Chucky and Tiffany playing cards. Uh, so it's like, wait, is Chucky back? But then we see that she's, Nika's actually faking. So Tiffany's uh, trying to get Chucky to talk about their honeymoon. 
And then she finally says, hello, Nika, long time no see. And she shakes her head. She's looking at her, she's like, Nika? He's like, why do you think I'm Nika? I'm not. And then she gives up. Tiffany's like, Chucky bluffs when because they're playing cards, but doesn't bite his fingernails. So she was like biting her nails. And she's like, plus, I stabbed you in the thigh 10 minutes ago and you didn't feel a thing. And she looks and there's like this little knife sticking in her leg. So Nika's like, what are you going to do with me? And Tiffany's like, I don't know. You know, I, I spent time with you and some time with Chucky. And I have to say, I like Nika better. And she says, you know, sometimes they're together and she sees her looking at her and she knows it's Nika, not Chucky. So she kind of wants to have those moments all the time. Then she says that, you know, she has a surprise. She bought them a house right here in Hackensack. The only problem is how does she keep her in a driver's seat instead of that ass Chucky? And then she hits Nika on the back of the head with a frying pan. <laughs> it's like, well, that's probably not a good way, you know, whatever. So at Lexi's, they're trying to find Andy Barkley on social media. Um, in the news, they see violent patient escaped psychiatric hospital two weeks ago. So this is where I, I was like, wait a minute, two weeks ago, this has been more than two weeks. But I guess the events of the show could have started before Cult of Chucky. See, because they, they mentioned two weeks. I mean, I guess if he broke out two weeks ago, it doesn't mean that's when the movie ended. So who knows how long he was there. He could have been there for a couple months locked up and then escaped. Right? Yeah. So uh, he was in Rhode Island, whatever. Then Jake tells Devin that he got a call from Rhode Island about a month ago. But see, that that's where it doesn't line up. Or maybe, maybe... I don't know. Anyways, I'm not going to worry about the timeline. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. So Junior comes over. He tells Lexi about his mom. And then he says, you know, things have been going bad lately. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm always here for you, whatever. Then Jake calls from the kitchen. He's like, he's on Facebook or something like that. And then Junior gets mad. He's, he's like, you know, you're always somewhere else. And she's like, I love you. And he's like, no. He's like, it's over. We're done. And she's like, we can fix this. And he's like, I just did. So it's like, okay, bye-bye, Junior. <laughs> Jake cringes when Devin says this guy, Andy's like 40, and Jake calls a number. It goes straight to Andy's voicemail because 40, oh, man, he's so old. Um, then his phone rings right away, and it turns Andy's calling him back. So he must be screening the call or whatever. So he and Kyle are in Richmond, Virginia. They're like on the side of the road. They're like changing a tire or something like that. Andy says that you know Jake knows about Chucky and that he's still alive and he you know he's like oh then you're one of the lucky few he's like it's it's a poopy club or something like that you know knowing about chucky then he asks he's like is chucky with anyone uh it's like a woman two women and jake's you know so he's talking about about tiffany and and nika then jake asks you know how do you how do they find chucky and andy's like you don't find chucky he'll find you so the house that tiffany bought is like super run down and it turns out it's a house that she says the house her fiance grew up in. And the realtor's like, oh, it's been empty since the murders. So this was Charlie Ray's house. And then she's like, oh, you're already getting mail. So there's this like package and it's like a, a good guy sized package, you know, good guy doll. So Tiffany, then, you know, she's like, oh, she's Jennifer Tilly, you know, whatever. She's like, you know, would you like my autograph? And she's like, oh, maybe later or something like that. So the realtor leaves and Nico is tied up in the trunk. So then we see that Tiffany ties her to a chair inside. At the police station, the science teacher's in an interrogation room. She tells the detective she wants her lawyer, and Detective Evans is like, she's like, just listen. She's like, here's what we got. 
It's like you were the last one to see the principal alive. You were next in line for her job. Your fingerprints are everywhere there. And she's like, yeah, they're everywhere because I work at the school. And and she said that, you know, there was a scalpel or something like that. And, you know, it's probably from the frogs in a science class. Bree and Junior, they they go somewhere. They're like in a car. And so he's going to stand there when she goes inside. So I guess she's, you know, she's going to her therapist. So I don't know why he's with her or whatever. She's like, well, you know, I'll be right back. And she's like, you want me to leave the keys for music? And he's like, oh, I got my headphones, whatever. So she gets out and you, you kind of hear Chucky's laugh. But, you know, he puts on his headphones. She tells her therapist that she told them about the cancer. Then, her, you know, the therapist asks, does it feel like, you know, weight lift off her shoulders or whatever? But then she's like, I'm, I'm refusing treatment. She's like, I want to live my life with my family with whatever time I have left. So she starts walking out and she's texting Logan about her decision. And then she like changes her mind and she like erases the, the you know before she sends out the text. She's standing by a window at the end of the hall, just like looking out. And somehow Chucky, so he made his way. He must have been under the car, or on the car, or something like that. He made his way inside the building, and he's hiding in the hall behind like this mail cart that's just sitting in the middle of the hall. No one's looking at it. He starts pushing it, everything like that, and then. He, manages to knock her out the window so it's like how thin is this window how much force can a, a living doll have to push her out through this window <laughs> so he pushes her and she's like falling in slow motion and he just like looks at her and he blows her a kiss goodbye so she falls somehow she twisted her body around which kind of doesn't make sense but she falls on the car face smashed through the windshield and she's like eye to eye with junior so it's like how traumatic is that going to be having your mom fall on the car and you're like staring at her bloody face? <sighs> so then later, Junior's at home with, with Jake, Logan, and the therapist. They think that she jumped out because, you know, she was refusing treatment, or whatever. And then uh, Logan's like snaps at the therapist. She's like, You didn't see any signs. You didn't see this coming. And she says that, you know, she wanted to be in, in control in any way she could. You know, she didn't want the treatment to overtake their lives. Then Jake tries um, talking to Junior, you know, after the therapist leaves. He's like, I don't think your your mother killed herself. And Junior gets up slowly. He's like, stay the F away from me. He's like, we were fine until you came along. It's like, oh, yeah. So Jake coming gave his mom cancer. That that makes perfect sense, Junior. You're such an idiot. Devin's uh, watching Cape Fear. Um, then his mom you know, comes in the room and she says she has to go back to the station. So she reminds him the curfew still in effect. So, you know, please stay inside. She says that she knows she's been hard on him lately and she was wrong about Jake. She should have trusted him. Then Devin's like, how do you know if you really like someone? So she talks about like meeting her father, like butterflies in the stomach and stuff like that. She's like, is that how you feel about Jake? And he smiles and he's like, yeah. He's like, I was worried that you wouldn't look at me the same. And she's like, this doesn't change anything. She's like, you're my son. It's like, I'll always love you. So that's great. I mean, I mean, that was a sweet moment. And then, you know, she's like, you know, I, I miss movie night. She's like, we could invite Jake. And he's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, whatever. So she leaves. He goes back to watching Cape Fear. And then, you know, setting like booby traps around the house you see in, in the movie. <laughs> Devin and Lexi go over to Jake's and they're tying like fishing lines all over just like in the movie whatever so Junior um, and Dad are at a funeral home and Jake didn't go there because they he wanted to give him time alone or whatever Lexi goes uh, to watch upstairs Jake and Devin are sitting alone because they, they so kind of they, they tied this doll like in the middle of the table tied to all the strings so it'll move if any 
I guess if I need the doors or anything open. But then as they're sitting there, the doll starts to move, whatever. And so Chucky's there. So they hear like a window break in Chucky's laugh. and Or it was actually like a lamp that got knocked over. So it turns out he came through the chimney because there's little good guy footprints. And Jake has a bat. Devin has his taser. But Chucky's already upstairs on the landing because he's like above them. They didn't see him. So Lexi is upstairs. She just has a fire poker. So Jake goes in the kitchen. He sees all the burners were turned on, which kind of doesn't make sense. It's like, how the heck does Chucky move so fast? And could he, I guess he could reach the burners. Lexi's like upstairs staring out the window and then the power goes out. So somehow Chucky is able to turn off the power from upstairs. It's like, man, this guy, it's like, is there more than one Chucky? It's like, how is he doing all this, this stuff? So Lexi calls out to Jake and then Chucky closes the door. He's like, I got you now, bitch. Um, he's like, but I'll let you go on one condition. He's like, all you have to do is kill Jake. He's like, everybody's got to die sometimes. And she's like, why? He's like, or, you know, he says that, you know, you must have thought about it. You know, you, you she gets off on hurting him or something, you know, all the stuff that she's done. Jake is slowly walking up behind Chucky. So he opened the door quietly and she asks him, she's like, you will, do you want to know how I would do it? And he's like, yeah. She's like, I would beat him to death. But then Jake steps on a creaky floorboard and then he turns around. He's like, do it now, Lexi. He runs past Jake and he slashes his leg you know, as he goes past him. Devin's out in the hall, tases Chucky. Chucky goes flying down the hall, drops his knife. He's like, I'm too old for this poop. Jake, uh, you know, he's, or not Jake, uh, Devin is trying to get the, the taser to work again, but it it's probably needs a charge up or something. I don't know how tasers work. Um, Chucky gets up, grabs a knife, and charges, but runs past Devin. So he doesn't even bother to try to kill him. Um, Devin, or no, then uh, Devin's mom, detective, she's suddenly there calling up to Devin. It's like, why would she just suddenly appear at Jake's, or at, at Junior's house, and then let's let herself in. She's going upstairs, and then Chucky somehow jumps out of a heating grate. You know, it's like a, like a big grate. So it's like he runs past the hall. How does the heck does he climb up there? How does he open it and get in there? And then he jumps out, lands on her her shoulder, and you know they they twist around and stuff like that. And then she fall, fall, he like jumps off her, I guess. And then she falls down these long the long stairs, and her neck snaps when she hits the bottom and that's the end and the previews are like why is you know so it, it seems like chucky's not going after the kids just yet it's like he's killing their parents so he you know he killed brie he killed or like the parent figures he killed because he kills jake's dad he killed junior's mom which is jake's aunt he killed devin's mom so like where's devin gonna go now because you know his dad's not in the picture so we're still getting uh, like a death a week. So who's going to die next week? But I think it's great that they brought in Andy and Kyle and, you know, and we have Nika and Tiffany. So it's really cool that they're tying in the, the movie, the characters that just plots from the movies. I, th- I think that's really great. So I think, I think there's, there's a couple episodes left. I don't know. Maybe if, it's a good show. And um, I, I believe it's if you have Peacock, if, if you haven't been watching it, I'm, it starts on December 1st. So I don't know if they're going to drop just an episode a week because actually, no, because I think on December 1st, there's still a couple more episodes. 
yeah, I, they're obviously not going to drop the whole season, so I don't know. But if you've been waiting to watch it, you'll be able to watch it on Peacock soon. Okay, then we have The Flash. The Flash is back. Season 8, Episode 1, Armageddon Part 1. Unfortunately, I didn't love this episode. It wasn't great. This is the first of like a five-part event, crossover event. But it's, it's, not, it's not really a crossover because there's hardly any CW shows now. You know, the only one is Batwoman. You know, Supergirl just ended. Uh, everything else, you know, Black Lightning's done. Uh, yeah, so this is not off to a good start. I'm, I'm hoping it gets better. Uh, but, yeah. So it starts off Central City, 2031. There's, like, screaming in the streets. You see, like, the end is nigh, spray-painted. People are running. Cars are on fire. Some guy's talking about how they could have stopped this, but none of them had the strength. But he does. The guy kind of looks like a dork. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he, like, hits his button on his belt, and then he, like, he, like, kind of disappears somewhere. Obviously, somehow he's going into the past. In the present, Barry and Caitlin are walking to get coffee, and she's like, why are you walking when you can just run, whatever? And he says that, you know, he slows it down once in a while, you know, just to enjoy things, whatever. Um, Frost, we find out, is still mad at that other, I forgot what that, Ice ice Chill, whatever his name was. Um, At Jitters, she tells Barry that, you know, she learned one thing while watching Frost go through all this stuff. For the first time since Ronnie died, she thinks she's ready to move on. So she's going to start dating again. I mean, so it's great for Caitlin. I mean, it's been eight seasons. So that, that's that's really good. Phone alert goes off. Um, two bullet trains are about to collide. So he goes. I'm not really quite clear how he does it. He manages to save everyone on a train in, in 12 seconds, you know, because he mentions that to, to Caitlin when he comes back. But he, like, I don't know if he zipped everyone out of there. I don't know if he made one train phase through the other. It wasn't, I didn't quite catch what, what he did. But anyways, he also managed to get some oat milk for Caitlin's coffee. Then she's like, wow, she's like, you've really, you've seriously leveled up. Which is the first of the mention of people leveling up. You'll see. Then we see Iris is, <laughs> Iris is doing a friggin' podcast. And by friggin' podcast, I feel like, Everyone is doing, people stop doing podcasts. And I'm not talking about Iris. Iris, do whatever heck you want. But when you get all these like celebrities, whatever, doing podcasts, it's like, dude, you're taking away listening time where people could be listening to this show. It's like, who are you going to choose? You know, me or, it's like, man, you got your own. Anyways, but anyways, (laughs) Iris is doing a freaking podcast. So she's uh, with Captain Kramer. And she mentions coming to terms with being a meta and about the you know meta task force was unfairly targeting people uh, and all the stuff like that. So thank you for coming and blah, blah, blah. Then Allegra comes in. So apparently it's been six months since the last season and things have really picked up around there. So they, they've, they've changed the name of the, of the place. Uh, they, they have three new reporters. They have an IT intern. They have an office manager. Plus, online circulation is over 2 million right now. <laughs> so Iris wants to promote Allegra to supervising editor because she's so busy. You know, she does her, she does like a weekly editorial piece or something like that. And she's doing all this other stuff. And Allegra's like, she's like, I barely been here for a year. And, you know, she's like, you have people with more experience, like, like Vanya, who has 10 years under her belt, you know, being a, a reporter or something like that. 
I don't remember. I don't think they mentioned the other two name. Barry got pizza from Milan for Iris. She comes home. There's candles. They're talking. They're going to take a night to themselves. Like no kids. Um, I guess the kids still stop by from the future every once in a while. But you know they need to work on actually having the kids. So you know they need some time alone. But then there's a knock on the door, and it's Ray Palmer. So he says that. You know, he's like, you said I could always crash here if I'm ever in town. And so he's there for the CCTC. So it must be the Central City Tech Conference or something. His hotel room or his hotel got overbooked. And so they didn't have a room for him. And they're like, where's Nora? So if you've been watching Legends of Tomorrow, you know that he and Nora are together or got together. And he's like, you know, she's out saving the world one kid at a time since, uh, Spoiler, if you haven't been watching <laughs> Legends Tomorrow, Nora is a fairy godmother now, <laughs> which sounds funny to say. And then Ray's like, oh, am I interrupting? Because, you know, he sees like the candles or whatever. And Barry's like, no, no, no. And then he's like, there's a you know guest room at the top of the stairs or whatever. Because so, he, you know, Ray's like, so is this couch? Is this a pullout or whatever? And Barry's like, no, there's a room. So I didn't realize their place was that. I didn't realize their place had an upstairs. Because I don't know if you've actually ever seen their bedroom, which is fine. I don't want to see that. At this uh, Mercury Labs, some dudes are getting ready to transport some, like, little tech thing. These four, four dorky people come up, two ladies and two dudes. So it's like their faces, like, painted. So I'll okay, say Royal Flush Gang, right? Because um, they have, you know, sort of makeup. They kind of have sort of almost weird matching outfits, but not quite. They're not wearing, like, the, the tight jumps, the, the tights or whatever, the unitards, like, in the, the comics or the cartoon. Uh, Batman or whatever, Batman Beyond. Um, they're pretty ethically diverse. <laughs> there are only being four of them, so that's that's good. They take out the guards. They smash the, the case and take the, the tech chip thing. Ray, um, in the morning, he makes these green healthy smoothies, and uh, they're like kind of Iris and Barry are kind of looking at it. Barry's like, you know, how often do you talk to Sarah and the other legends? And he's like, well, you know, not very often. Um, he's like, you know, me and Nate have a standing drinks night, but he's rarely in the same century or year. He's like, maybe that's why I haven't heard from him lately. And it's like, yeah, because he's stuck in 1925, if you've been watching Legends, Ray. Since then, he and Nora have been more connected than ever. His life is more balanced now. Then there's a knock on the door. It's Chester <laughs> Chester P. Runk. Is that his name? And he's kind of like geeking over Ray because, you know, Ray's this tech guy and everything like that. So he's actually going to be Ray's liaison for the entire event. So he volunteered for this. Barry um, investigates uh, Mercury Labs robbery. So you know he, he makes an excuse to get out he, without drinking the, the smoothie thing. Kramer walks up and... He's, he says, it's like, oh, these are OG metas, Jack 10, King and Queen. They were the first meta gang. And she's like, oh, did you work on that case too? And he's like, uh, no, because when they pulled their first caper, he was kind of under the weather. That's when he was in his coma, like right after. He, he can't tell her that. So then he asks about her mimic powers. He's like, how do they work? And she's like, well, they only activate under stress. And he's like, oh, that's good, because he's probably worried, like, is she going to figure out that he's the Flash? You know, she, is she going to suddenly start mimicking his powers because she's right next to him? Then he asks, or she asks if um, her being a meta makes working for her more difficult. And he's like, no, no, it's it's already difficult. Well, and he says that kind of with a smile. So I feel like she was getting a little defensive like, like, oh, do you have a problem with me being a meta? It's like, okay, hey, you tried arresting um, Frost, 
and Barry and Caitlin were there. I'm trying to think what, like, and, and Joe were all trying to defend her. So obviously they don't have a problem with metas. They have a problem with her maybe, but the weird thing. So anyways, I'll get to something later. Allegra talks to the staff. She wants to start with uh, the break-in at the lab. One of the reporters scoffs. And she's like, that's not news, not in this city. And Allegra's like, it's a huge theft at an R&D corporation. And a dude's like, which happens all the time. It's like, no one was killed and the Flash wasn't involved. Other lady mentions a rumor of embezzlement at the mayor's office. So they're basically ignoring her. They start, like, talking to each other about, like, their ideas, uh, you know, because they all have their own ideas. And then they leave, even though she's like, but what? And they just, like, they don't even, they totally blow her off. Barry's at, in his lab, Cecile's there. She's like, she's always there. It's like, she is, is she trying to be his assistant? He mentions a, you know, the, a little case that was found at the train collision site or whatever. She asks, did the trains actually collide and he just saved everyone? I don't know. But she's like, but you're not, aren't you working on the, the Mercury Labs heist? You know, she's not working on a train thing. Uh, so he said he found burn marks similar to both, which is Jack's heat signature because he has like eye beams, I guess. Uh, so there was a highly powerful energy source, whatever. So why is a Royal Flush gang changing their MO to be tech thieves? Then um, some armored officers walk by outside Barry's lab. And Barry's like, what's going on? And the lady's like, oh, the power went down at Iron Heights for three seconds and opened all the cell doors. Now there's a thousand inmates roaming the facility. So Flash goes and you just see from he puts everyone back. There's a bigger problem, though. Looks like the Royal Flush gang leveled up, too. And, you know, there, there's, like, some control things, and there's, like, burn marks on there. So the Royal Flush Gang must have hit the power. They're leveling up. So Barry's leveling up, and the Royal Flush Gang is leveling up. At Jitters, Ray and Chester are there. Chester, he decided, which is so extremely annoying, he decided to set up a tech jumpstart idea pitches under three minutes thing with some tech hopefuls for Ray. So he organizes this get to, they had some downtime in the schedule and Ray's schedule. So he arranged for all these people to come to jitters and they're going to pitch Ray their ideas for like a tech startup or something like that. Wouldn't you ask someone it's like, do you want to hear these ideas? Or, or it's like, I wouldn't want to hear some random people's ideas. And you know, like they say, with well, comic artists are constantly saying, "Don't send us your pictures. We can we're, we legally cannot read them, because then if they acknowledge they received a pitch, and it, if even if they don't read it, and then they co- happen to come up with the same idea, because come on, there's only how many times is Superman going to fight Lex Luthor? You know, you're not being original, and you know, then it comes into this like, well, this was my idea. So, anyways, he. He does this, and it's obviously that Ray has no desire. He doesn't want to listen to her ideas. Chester's like, you know, giving him a thumbs up. He's getting ready to start calling them over, and Ray stands up. He's like, he has to make it clear. He's like, I don't want to start another tech business. He's like, I only want to pursue a balanced life. He's like, that's why I haven't worn the Adam suit. He's like, my priorities are my wife and working in my own lab. So then Chester tells them he has he's like oh i'm sorry he's like uh the pitch session is canceled and they're like what no ah! and it's like some of them are mad and some are sad and some like run off like in, almost in tears it's just like whatever <laughs> some lady who uh started the tech conferences with iris and she's like uh when i first started the conference five years ago i never dreamed we'd get coverage like this so, oh, oh my God, Iris is covering the tech conference. Oh, that's huge. 
<laughs> Allegra there. She tells Iris that she totally blew it with the staff. And Iris figured that there'd be resistance. She's like, but I know you can handle it. And Allegra says that, you know, reporting on stories and running things are different. Iris is like, well, it looks, um, she's like, well, look at how you leveled up as a meta. <laughs> and we get this flashback. So why the heck is everyone talking about leveling up? Is that like the theme of this crossover thing? It's so annoying. Everyone's leveling up. So now we see Barry, Caitlin, and Cecile. They're trying to figure out what's up with the Royal Flush Gang. They uh, turned out they kidnapped some some guy from Iron Heights. And then Chester comes in. Oh, hey guys, he's like feeling sorry for himself. And then he 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 mentions like cryptocurrency because he's he's getting paid in cryptocurrency to volunteer or to help Ray or whatever. And that's what you know. There's a bunch of people there. So it turns out that there's like 50 million in currency somewhere. Uh, to get that, you know, to hack into it, they need just a cutting edge chip and a big power source and like a skilled hacker. And so then <laughs> Cecile's like, the Royal Flush Gang didn't change their MO. They, wait for it, leveled up. They already said that they leveled up. Barry said they leveled up at when they're at, at the, after the Iron Heights stuff. Chester says that as, as soon as they start to hack, that he can trace the location. And Barry's like, I'll be ready. So the the guy they broke out of, of Iron Heights was this hacker dude. He transfers a 50 million and then King grabs him and they're going to get ready to dispose of him. And the dude's outraged. He's like, we've been planning this for years. So Jack is about to kill him with his laser beams, eye beams. And then Barry zooms the guy away. So they're like, oh, Flash, they're not, they're not scared of him. King uh, mentions that their queen is psychic and can read his every move before he makes it. Then she gives him a command. She's like, attack formation, whatever. Barry moves so fast that it's like time is standing still. So he turns because uh, like 10 is like doing like a jumping like punch thing, flying punch. He turns 10 around while she's in air and her leap punch so she's pointed at king but the thing is if he's does this if he's moving at such high speed and we've seen this before this was in i forget where it was at but if you just touch someone at that super speed you would shatter whatever you're touching because you're moving at such super speed i mean sure he's experienced is probably being careful but I would think, the way, I mean, he doesn't look like he's being that careful. He's just like, just like kind of turns her while she's still in the air. So he points her at King. Then he goes to Jack and he turns him a little bit and he aims his glowing eyes at King as well. And it's like, what about Queen? So then time goes up. Ten punches King. Jack kind of zaps him in the back. Um, then he, he's in shock or whatever. Barry's like, hey, bud. And, he, and then he punches uh, Jack out. And then, zip, they're all wearing metacuffs. And Queen's like, this is impossible. She's like, I read your mind. And he's like, you can read mind. I can think at super speed. And she says that his mind, after, after she read them, whatever, he shuffled a deck. And because, of course, she's got to say that. And then Flash is like, I guess the house doesn't always win. Oh, my God. Chester it has a selfie stick. He's live streaming at the conference. Barry comes up, whatever, and you know, as, as he's talking, and Barry calls Ray over. He's like, "Oh, hey!" And then Chester cuts his his stream short. He's like, "Okay, you know, that's it for now, whatever." 
And it, and then he just gives this phone and the selfie stick to Barry and leaves. It's like <laughs> you're just giving him your phone. I mean, unless you have a, a phone specifically to live stream. So Barry's like, what? And then Ray explains what happened with the pitch session thing. And he says that, you know, if he starts up a tech company, um, then before he know, knows it, he'd be lost in it. You know, it's intoxicating. But Barry talks about how he takes time to help Team Flash and he learns just as much from them. With the CCPD, he works with all departments. And Ray says, he's like, well, you know, I do miss the scientific collaborations, but I don't have the CCPD. And Barry's like, you're Ray Palmer. He's like, you're, you're a legacy honoree. If you want something that doesn't exist, just invent it. So Allegra, back at the office, she's awkwardly handing out edits on a reporter's pieces. And a dude's like, this copy is damn well written. And it's like, okay, you're a little arrogant. And then he's like, what is it you're exactly looking for? And the lady too's like, if you even know. It's like, oh, how friggin' rude are you? The, 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 she's like, well, the stories aren't bad and they're well-sourced, but CCC media is more than just providing facts. It's like, there should be a voice to the pieces. And Vanya, because she's, she's the only one I know her, her name, she's like, that's the complete opposite of objective journalism. And she's like, why don't we leave the editorializing to Iris? And Allegra, she's like, it's right there in the name, Central City Citizen. Everyone's voice should be heard, not just the high-profile people. When we're at our best, our readers see themselves reflected in our stories. She's like, so, try again. But this time, remember who you're writing for. They all leave. But it's like they leave their laptops and stuff just like sitting there. It's like, okay. Then we see Iris is doing like the interview panel, whatever, with Ray. They're like up on this little stage. And she's like, what's next? And <laughs> he looks over at Sad Chester. And he's like having conflicting thoughts. He's like, you know, maybe we'll all find out together next year or whatever. Then uh, the dude from the beginning teleports on stage behind him. He's like, you should all run. And he, but he says it in their heads while you still can. And then they all start freaking out. So then he's like, Flash, don't make this difficult. Show yourselves. And then Flash appears. He's like, I came a long way to find you. He's like, now that I have, I'm going to kill you. And at first, I'm like, who the heck is this guy? So I didn't know, I know anything about this crossover because I didn't want to spoil anything or read too much. So I'm like, who is this guy? So I looked it up on IMDb, and it turns out this is Despero. But I was like, wait, Despero doesn't look like that's the big, big pink dude with three eyes and a fin on his head. It's like not this dude with like a faux hawk and like a weird outfit. So Barry's like, whoever you are, if you're looking for a fight, you found one. So Despero, as I'm going to call him now, he's like, you're nothing like I expected. He reaches for his belt. And then here now he transforms into a giant CG fin-headed pink alien. Chester, he's like, I'm picking up serious tech readings from from this guy. He's got this like energy scanner device that he picked up from a table because they're at a tech conference. So Ray thinks he's like, Barry's going to need help. So Chester stupidly starts getting excited. You mean like a superhero team up with Adam? He's like, you changed your mind? It's like lives are at stake here and you're, you're geeking out because he's going to do a superhero team up. Uh, meanwhile, Barry is simply running around <laughs> Despero. He's just running rings around him. Ray runs off the change, does an almost like Superman shirt open thing. He just does it. He doesn't like tear his shirt open, but opens it a little bit. And Despero, then he slams like the, the ground. He slams his fist down and Barry gets flying. He gets sent flying out through a window. 
like into the parking lot. Despero flies in like after him, lands by him. He's like, I was born amongst the stars. Trapping me in a vacuum is pointless. He's like, surrender, and I promise you won't suffer. Then Adam shows up. He's like, oh, it still fits. So they both blast at him, and it, it, it goes like right through him. Then Ray and Chester, um, they ask, like, who are they fighting at? He's right behind you. So somehow Adam may be teleported behind them. Despero says, to, he's like, to Adam, he's like, this isn't your fight. Ray shrinks down and flies away. Then Flash makes a speed double mirage so i don't remember if he's done i guess he's done this before so they're running around him and then they both jump up to slam due to like the jump slam punch that they apparently like doing now uh and despero's like watching carefully and then he punches the right one he's like you can't fool me with a speed mirage my mind is too powerful flash tries stopping him he's like you said i was good once what happened to me you owe me that as you wish. So yeah, he's going to listen to him. He owes him that. So then a third eye, the third eye of finally appears on his forehead. And then he shows him, he's like, there was an Armageddon that he created 10 years from now. Cause that's the name of the crossover. One that destroys, you know, your own planet or whatever. It's already happened. And that's why I have to kill you. So it's how he saves their world. And then he starts to get electrocuted or something like that. So Ray mucked with his belt and he sent him away. He's like, no. So he, he yeah, he went inside the, the time teleport belt thing and did something. So Ray tells Barry, he's like, you're not destined to destroy the world, right? He's like, you know that. And Cecile's like, well, there's no doubt that Despero believed what he said because, you know, she was able to pick up that those thoughts or whatever. And Ray's like, he's like, well, I, you know, I could barely recognize a tech in his belt, so I couldn't send him anywhere um, specifically, so I just set it to random. And so he's going to be back. I guess they're going to call Alex in National City. I don't know if they're going to try to get a hold of Supergirl. I don't know if she's crossing over in this or if it's going to be Alex or, you know, the DEO or whatever. So we'll see. Then Allegra tells Iris her story about the fight was great. Of course, of course, Iris writes this awesome story about the fight because she just happens to be there. So she says uh, um, she read the rewrites and um, that she had the others do. And she's like, they're going straight to print. And then because Allegra said that Iris' story is going straight to print, whatever. So Allegra's like, well, they still don't like me. And Iris like, welcome to management. So Ray's about to leave. Uh, Barry says that they'll be fine. Then he tells Chester what he did was at Jitters was great. You know, he's like, I'm going to create a nonprofit to help young tech people start you know, help get started. He's like, I, f- I figure we'll call it the Quincy P. Runk Foundation after Chester's dad. Then there, he's basically tells Flash that, or Barry that he should just show Despero who he really is, that, you know, he's not bad. So Chester says that they have an alien signature coming in hot. So he appears behind him in the lab. He's like, prepare to die, Flash. And Barry's like, I'm not going to fight you. And he uh, then Despero changes his human form, and he's like, you know, we could have fought side by side in another world. He's like, but I've seen your future. You're the most dangerous killer. You hide in the body of a hero. And Barry's like, I'm not a killer. He's like, I can show you. He's like, scan my mind and decide for yourself. He sees no deception in his mind. And, you know, he's he does see the truth and honor. He's like, but there's too many lives at, at stake. He's like, I can't risk the future. And Barry's like, 
what if you're wrong about me? And he's like, why should I believe you? And then he takes off his mask because he, he Barry's, it's been too long since he's shared a secret with anyone. He's like, because my name is Barry Allen and I have nothing to hide. Then he's like, you know, your bravery has earned you a stay. You have seven Earth days to prove me wrong or I will end your existence. I'm like, whatever, dude. Why are you like the, the decider of all things? And, and yeah, you, how does he even have time tech? Where do you even get that from? And what makes him the one to decide who gets wiped from existence for whatever reason? So, so that was the first episode. Uh, like I said, it, it's, it, you know, this, this is, these are supposed to be the big, big crossovers. These are big, big deals. And this one wasn't that great. I don't know. So hopefully it gets better. <laughs> so then <laughs> DC's Legends of Tomorrow, season seven, episode six, Deus Ex Latrina starts off in Vancouver, 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 2214. The Ava Corporation. So, and Ava tells Bishop, sales for the first wave are through the roof, just like she thought. She asks about the mystery project that he's working on since he's been diverting like lots of money to it. So he shows her, takes her into this other room. It's a wave rider. So he built it from the futuristic blueprints that he was given. And he says it's a time ship. So it's like, wait, you're you're using tech. You didn't even invent this and, and you're going to like use this as your own. I was like, that's ethical. Uh, so they're inside. The bridge looks exactly like the other ships. Like It's almost like the same furniture and everything. He brings Gideon online because he has a copy of Gideon or whatever. Um, the only place that Gideon can't monitor is Section A2 because it's the only bathroom on the ship. Um, why is there only one bathroom? I don't know why that's in the blueprints. But he's like, you know, a man needs his privacy. Then Ava asks, he's like, how does this wave rider fit with the Ava project that you're, you know, trying to help improve people's lives with, you know, with cloning and all that. He's like, well, he wants to expand and add in time travel. It's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Gideon says that a time master's duty is to protect the timeline. So he wants revenge against the legends for using his brain and then messing with his genius, you know, making him forget things. He agrees to take an oath and he vows to protect the timeline from those damn legends. Because, you know, Gideon wants him to take an oath or whatever. So then uh, uh, Davies is freaking out. So this is the Gwyn, Gwyn Davies, the guy who invents time travel. He says it's all, all um, their fault. You know, the time machine thing wasn't designed to take so many people. He, But he let them in there. So this chrono gauge thing was damaged when they landed. Um, they they look around, so they're, they're like, are we in a prehistoric age or something like that? So, you know, maybe we're going to see dinosaurs. Sarah says that things will get better, um, tells Davies that, you know, he's the one to repair the chrono thing. Berard and Zari volunteer to help him because, you know, they're good with, with tech, they're techies. And then it seems that um, Sarah and Ava are like on edge and they're arguing about something. So Nate, Spooner, and Astra they're you know they're, they're talking and they decide that they should separate them so that they can kind of like chill out for a little bit and then gary and gideon they want to talk to nate about zari and he mentions how you know she asked him to move in with into the totem with her and all that so uh then um we see bishop the time doesn't line up because because time travel but this is we see bishop blow up the legends wave rider which happened at the end of last season and the beginning of this season so we already saw that. Berard and Zari, they find they, they go after Davies. He's like sitting with his feet in the stream and he's like throwing pebbles. They try to get him to work on fixing a time machine. 
So how many episodes have we seen him? This is like at least a, is this a second episode, second or third? It, it was at this point now when I realized who is playing Gwen Davies. It's Matt Ryan. It's Constantine. The actor who plays Constantine is playing Davies. His hair is different. He's got glasses and he's, you know, and because uh, I think I mentioned in news that, you know, he, or I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that while Matt Ryan's, you know, Constantine's gone, that he was going to be back as another character. And I didn't know what they meant by that. So I guess that's what this means. Because it was also weird. I didn't notice at the beginning because he was in the opening credits too. I was like, that's weird. They got Davies. And, you know, I was like, okay, maybe because they're stuck in time with him. So they're going to put him on there. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't realize that until now. So he goes on about how they don't even know what they should be looking for. Even if they did, he'd fail. His machine was meant to explode. They're going nowhere because nowhere is exactly where he's meant to be. Further up the stream, you see... They're not in the prehistoric time because there's like this battered radiation sign like sitting there. Uh, Bishop and Ava are eating food that Gideon fabricated. She uh, tells of a disturbance in the timeline in 1925. He gets interested and he's like, weren't we just in 1925? And then we find out that J. Edgar Hoover has disappeared. So Gideon's calculations um, says, you know, his attack against the legends have caused this aberration. So he figures that he can just use his clone technology and drop him back into the timeline. But Gideon reminds him that his clones are still human and not infallible. You know, because like one of his clones became a legend and then attacked him, which is Ava. So Gideon says that he's too important. J. Edgar Hoover's, you know, too important for so many different things that they can't risk a clone straying off the path. So Bishop says then they'll combine his clone tech with Gideon's tech and make a Hoover robot. So that's where the Hoover robot came from. Ava is complaining to Astra that no matter what they do, they make things worse. She's trying to keep things together for Sarah and for the others. Um, sometimes she wishes she wasn't in charge, but she is. And so Astra makes like a an axe with magic. So, you know, because they're trying to gather firewood and stuff. Bishop and his Ava are celebrating. Um, he's gonna, he promoted her to time mistress. Then Gideon tells him that the Hoover bot self-destructed. So he pulls up the robot's visual feeds, and then he's surprised to see the legend standing over it because he thought that they were dead when he blew up the uh, wave rider. So Ava and Bishop talk about having the Hooverbot hunt down the legends and then return to its timeline duties. So then later, he finds out the Hooverbot 2.0 blew up, and it caused another aberration. Thomas Edison suffered a heart attack and died. So Bishop says it's because the robots are weak. They need better weapons like lasers that shoot out her eyes. Ava mentions that, or she says that, you know, they should have guns that come out of her hands or something like that. Gideon advises against it, but, you know, they're still going to do some stuff. Nate makes a list of pros and cons about moving into the totem. Berard and Zari talk to Davies some more. Davies, he's had it listening to their inane prattling. You know, he's just like, he doesn't want to do anything. Gideon uh, tricks Ava into going into a locked room because she's looking for a bishop or something like that. Gideon says the mission is too important and Bishop needs to focus on the mission and she's a distraction, so it's time for her to go. Then it turns out this room is like by the airlock, so the door opens and she gets sucked out into like the time ether, ether, whatever. Zari goes after Davies again. He freaks out some more, says that, you know, they don't, want his help the last group who took his help all died 
And then she offers a listen. She's like, you know, if you ever want to talk, whatever. And she's like, you know, sometimes talking to someone about hard things can make it hurt a little less. Sarah and Spooner, so, you know, because they split up, uh, they split Sarah and Ava. They're hunting and they have like, you know, makeshift like bow and arrows and spears or whatever. Ava is uh, stress chopping wood. She's like, chum, chum, like whatever. She lets out this big scream and she says that, oh, you know, she really needed that. Gideon and Gary are foraging for food. Uh, Gideon found some berries and they're talking about being human. And she asks like different things like, you know, would he swim in the ocean? He's like, of course. And, you know, would he go skydiving? And he's like, no. Uh, I don't know if he said he was scared of heights or, or something like that. And then she's like, would you like to have sexual intercourse with me? Hmm. Bishop asks Gideon if he's seen a time mistress, Ava, recently. And Gideon's like, unfortunately, she had to go. And he's like, go where? Gideon says that the time founder had specific um, um, guidelines or the, 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 not the, the, not the time founder, the foundation, the whatever the thing, there's supposed to be just one captain, one AI. There was no room for a time mistress. So he's like, what did you do? And Gideon predicted that he wouldn't react well to this. So she gave him a sedative. And he's like, when'd you give me a sedative? And it wasn't his drink that she fabricated. So Davies is talking to Zari. He says in 1916, a few years into the war, he was in an infantry unit. Um, he and another were tasked with sending messages to the general. They made it about halfway, um, and then the other soldier was gunned down. So Davies just froze. He's like his legs wouldn't move. He just stood there looking at him. And by the time he delivered the message, it was too late. And you know, he said there wasn't even a unit to go back to. So he said to God if he could go back in time and save them, but he kept you know failing. So she says, you know, talking to her about it was pretty brave. Then some soldiers come up. And Davy starts speaking to them in Russian. And he's like, oh, we got lost or whatever. So they, they try to move, but then one like hits him with a rifle. He gets like some flashbacks and, you know, starts like cowering, you know, thinking about like what just happened, you know, or what he was just talking about. So they take him away. You know, they, they force them to, to leave the area at gunpoint. But Berard arrives just in time to see them getting taken away. Bishop wants to talk to Gideon, says that while he was unconscious, she says, you know, she made another Hoover bot, an Edison bot. And he's like, well, I, you know, I'm ready to go home now. And she's like, home? She's like, you're a time master now. So he, he starts making some devices out of parts and he, he manages to make his phone work, so even though he's like out of time. So he calls and he wants to talk to the receptionist, Ava, but it was Bishop that answered. So the other Bishop thinks that he's pulling a prank. And then he goes to a computer and sees that Gideon made a copy of him. So he talked about, you know, kidnapping a hero, trying to destroy a world. They, you know, kidnapped him to redeem himself. But Gideon says that the other bishop, uh, with the other bishop out there, he's free to be a time master with her forever. So Bishop now realizes that he kidnapped Sarah. He was like threatening to destroy everything. That's where, where we got evil bishop. Ava returns uh, to the others. She's feeling better. Gary talks to Gideon and says that their experience was fun. Uh, you know, he's like, he says his favorite experience being human is just, you know, being around other humans. Zari and Davies are taken to a Russian building. They're locked in an office. It's like not even a prison or anything like that. Davies is having like a panic attack. He says that the guy in his unit was his best friend from home. He says he laughed at his terrible jokes and all this stuff like that. Then she's like, she's like, you loved him, didn't you? Then he finally says that he did. He's like, more than anything. And he says that 
her brother reminds him of how Alan used to be, like just hopeful about everything. She mentions, you know, her brother, the original version, long story, was a lot like Davies. You know, he was forced to be a soldier and then she lost him because of that. She was able to save her brother with the help of others and make the world a better place with the, with the legends. So Berard sneaks into the base, of course. He takes a, a bunch of tech stuff. He sees a calendar and takes it because he knows what the date is. He goes to them and he says, uh, good news, he may have found the parts that they need to fix the time machine. The bad news is it's 1986 and they're in Chernobyl and the meltdown is tonight. So they they explain the significance of Davies, like the radiation and blah, 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 stuff like that. The explosion hasn't happened yet. So Davies thinks that maybe this is why he's there to save lives. So maybe he can save them before it blows up and they're all supposed to die. Bishop says that now there's a robot living his life. Uh, he's a, a apparently expendable. Davies talks Russian over the radio. He tells everyone to evacuate, you know, save their families if they can, all this stuff like that. And people take it seriously. They start getting up. What the the legends are have a campfire. Sarah and Ava wondering like what's up between Gary and Gideon because they're kind of looking at each other. Um, they're like, do you think? No. Berard and Zari and Davies come. They tell them where they're at that they're not going to see dinosaurs, whatever. And uh, they they mention Davies trying to save people. Gideon tells Bishop there's another time blip in 1986. Is he ready to save the timeline from the legends? Then Bishop's wave rider arrives close by. Davies is working on a time machine. Zari is starting to understand how it works. Nate decides he wants to talk now. If he, you know, if he doesn't get his office chest now, he might not get the chance. So he says that he wants to move to the totem. He's like, I don't care where I'm at as long as I'm with you. The wave rider with uh, Bishop and Gideon is searching for them. It's like kind of hovering, you know, light going over the ground looking. Gideon tells Bishop that he has to activate the weapons and destroy the legends. So he's sitting in chair. He can't do it. So he gets up and he like runs. He goes to section A2, goes into the bathroom. It turns out he built like an escape hatch like underneath. He's sitting on a toilet and it opens up and just falls out and there's like a parachute attached to it. So he's coming down from them right above the time machine just as it gets activated. So that's probably going to cause some sort of glitch and mess the things up for them. But now he's with them and he's wait. But now Gideon's on a wave rider all, all, with no one there. So who knows what she's going to do? So I, I was okay. I mean, I, I think it was a little better than some of recent episodes, but you know, yeah, so it, it's, it's, I don't know where it's going, so with all the stuff with Bishop, because, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Bishop, but I think seeing this Bishop, it, rather than the cheesy, hammy Bishop, that, that's an improvement, and it is kind of interesting knowing where he finds out that, basically, he turned into a villain, and, you know, he's he wants to help people, and so, but, you, you know, you get the impression that he was just always bad, but he, I guess he wasn't, so it's kind of interesting. Okay, now I want to talk about Marvel's Hitmonkey. <laughs> I feel like this is a show where you have to use Marvel. Because like, whenever it's like Marvel's Eternals, Marvel's Black Widow, Marvel's Winter Soldier, you know, all this stuff. I, I get why they're doing that and everything. But I really feel like with Hitmonkey, you need to put Marvel's there. Because if someone's like, Hitmonkey, what the heck is that? So what the heck is Hitmonkey? Uh, I'm just, I'm baffled that this is a thing. That this is made. I'm baffled that it was made in the comics. 
So it was created by Daniel Way, and I, f- I forget who who's the co-creator. If there's a, the artist, this was I think this is like around a time when Daniel Way was you know off after his run or during his run of, of Deadpool because he was on he did Deadpool for a long time because of of his work there. I'm like okay, I don't know what this is. I like monkeys, unlike some people. Some people I think don't like monkeys, which is weird because of all the, the great Deadpool stories we got from Daniel Way and just, uh, cause I think he also, didn't he also do, um, Dokken, uh, other anyways, because of Daniel Way, I was like, okay, I'll read this hit monkey as like, this can't be serious. Is it? And it was a little absurd. It wasn't like my favorite thing. Uh, you know, you got a monkey wearing a suit. Who's like an assassin, whatever the show takes things a little differently. It's not totally true to the way the comic was uh they 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 changed the origin and everything because in the show the their the killer his ghost is basically talking to hit monkey which i guess if you didn't have the ghost it would be weird with a monkey that just doesn't talk and is going around you know dressing up and killing and you know doing stuff it's like that doesn't make sense with the the show they <laughs> they try to make it a little more realistic <laughs> even though it's it, it, that doesn't even make, it's not realistic but it is grounded a little more than it would be in a comic because in the comics it's, it's yeah it's a totally different thing hulu dropped the entire season and i think it's 10 episodes right i didn't get to watch all i i managed to watch the first three episodes so i'll talk about those so rather than I'll, i guess i'll, I'll say before I, I get into these episodes I, I actually I like to show more than I thought I would. You know, it's it's an absurd idea, and I I don't feel like it's necessary. I I feel like if if I never watch the end of the series, I'll be fine. It's not like a deep Marvel connection, like oh I gotta watch this, you know, all that. But it is kind of interesting. Uh, the animation is 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 pretty nice, and you know, the voice acting is is good. So I, I'm actually a little I'm getting more invested in in this series. Uh, I, I kind of do want to watch the rest, but I'm probably a- after I finish recording this, I need to start. I need to prioritize Cowboy Bebop, but I will try to finish this also as well. And maybe like next week, I can talk about Cowboy Bebop and the rest of of Hit Monkey, just to, how it went. So, um, getting into specifics of the first three episodes, and I so next week, I don't think I'll necessarily go. as in depth just to say how you know it ended or whatever but with the first episode pilot we see this old man being guided by armed guards someone's chasing them this dude speaking um japanese he's gets thrown into a limo and then all his guards get taken out and he wants to make a deal but then assassin shoots him through the sunroof and walks away so it's um obviously it's it's the monkey uh two months earlier so now I'm just trying to think, like, who, wait, who is this guy? I feel like I need to go back and see who was this guy that was thrown in there. Anyways, two months earlier in Tokyo airport, this guy with sunglasses gets off a plane. He has, like, a couple mini bottles, so he's drinking on a plane. His passport's super full. Like, the guy's like, is this business or pleasure or whatever? Um, he gets driven to a location on the docks. We find out he's a hitman. He says his name is Bryce. He meets with this old lady about, you know, it's like this, like, fish cannery somewhere or whatever. And um, so he meets with a lady about weapons and stuff so he can kill someone. He goes to hotel, gets drinks at the bar, plays cards, more drinking, goes to the club, like all this stuff. So this, this guy, 
he lives a life, I guess. So this politician dude, we see his name's Ken. He's going to give this speech. He's running, I think, for like prime minister. Bryce is sitting in a building. He has like these automated guns set up. Um, he's like a, a couple blocks away or whatever. And so he, he as a speech is about to start, they, they shoot, they take out this barrier or whatever in front of him, and they, they shoot the guy, Ken. He's obliterated, basically. A couple of cops figure out the building. They guess they're able to figure out the trajectory. I don't know if they saw a reflection or something like that. So they figure out where he must be. They run there, try to get the shooter. The cops are kind of get separated because, like, one cop's, like, a little out of shape. He's a little heavier. And he, you know, as he goes up the stairs, he finds his partner shot and killed in a stairway. So his partner. Bryce takes a train through the countryside. He uh, gets some beer. He's drinking some more from the, the, the beer train car or whatever. People are looking at the news of the dead guy on their phones. You can see they're upset. So they really like this guy. He seemed like he was a really good guy. Um, he gets off at this remote station. And uh, he's, you know, he was supposed to wear like this character backpack, whatever, like he was instructed. And I think there's like money inside or I don't know what was in there. He, but he gets knocked out from behind. He wakes up handcuffed. This soldier dude takes his money and says that he killed a great man. And he has a message from the man who hired him. Someone needs to pay the price for his awful crime so the Japanese people can move on. The dude pulls a gun on him and then uh, he hits a button on his watch and a bomb goes off in his backpack. So even though the money was in there, he, he kept the bomb in there just in case. So that was good thinking. He shoots the other one guy's like, you'll never get away with this. You know, you have no idea who you're dealing with. But then Bryce realizes he's been shot. So he grabs like a different bag and he starts like running through the forest and it's like snowing. He's leaving like a trail of blood. He climbs mountains. He falls over. And then a monkey grabs him like a snow monkey and like drags him away. So he wakes up in a hot spring. He's like still bleeding. There's a lot of snow monkeys crouched around. Uh, like, you know, one chews some leaves and stuff and like spits it out in his mouth. <laughs> Later, you can see he's he's used to them caring for him. Like he willingly opens his mouth and he's just like, you know, letting they're like picking at his hair and stuff like that. But there's this one watching him from the other side. And he asks, uh, you know, so the monkeys are talking because, like, the one asked the others why they brought this evil man into their home. And another asked, like, would you rather we let him die? He's like, that is not our way. But the first says that he'll bring others like him. And then uh, the one says that he's being hysterical. But the first one says, like, maybe the younger monkeys are right. You know, it's time you step down. And then the other's like, well, I'm still alpha. So, you know, this one monkey's like, doesn't want this dude to be here. Then later we see Bryce. He seems like he's healed. He's you know dressed in a suit. He walks to like the edge of like the mountain. He sees a city. Um, then one monkey is like watching him. So Bryce builds a bunch of snowmen, like shaped into like actual people, not like snowmen shaped so much. But he's like attacking them for training, and he like shoots his gun, and it like kind of startles a monkey because he's probably never seen a gun before. Back at the springs, he this monkey tells the other that he's a devil. That you know he was sent to kill them, and he talks about him murdering the snowmen, and he's like first snow and then you know then real. So he's getting angry, and he injures a couple monkeys in his range. Right, you know he's he's like fighting them off as they're trying to, to calm him down, and then the alpha just like points like he's gonna kick them out of their little pack or whatever. So the monkey's walking off on his own through the snow. And then the next day, some dudes on snowmobile, they're like heavily armed. They drive by him. He rushes through the trees back to his people. And I think there's like six of them. The monkey arrives at the springs just in time to see the six like holding rifles at Bryce. Bryce sees the monkey and winks at him, but then he gets shot. 
So it's like, what's that about? The other monkeys and the alpha arrive. They start hooting and screeching and throwing snowballs. The dudes laugh, and then they start shooting. So some of them get shot and killed. Like one monkey sees the blood, and then um, then Bryce's bag of monkeys, so the, the one that got kicked out. The alpha gets shot, and then a guy is about to finish him off, and then he gets his kneecap blown off. Another gets shot in the head. So we see the monkey has two big rifles. He's just like seeing red. So he's just in a rage. He's shoot. It's just like shoot, 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 shoot. They're all dead. He checks on the alpha, but I think the alpha's gone. Um, Bryce pulls himself up from the spring. He tells the monkey, he's like, that was baller. <laughs> and he says, you know, not to make it weird, but they're connected. You know, he has unfinished work. He needs to find the a-holes who did this to them, to both of them. And then he dies. So the monkey has Bryce's sunglasses, puts them on, takes a bag of weapons and leaves. Then later, he's at the train station and Bryce's ghost is there. He's like, told you it was going to get weird. So with this first episode, and I don't know if this is like the true traditional sense of the pilot. Because from here, as I think back about how this happened and, and with the, the, two, the next two episodes, here it feels like Bryce knew this was going to happen. Because it's like, why did he wink at the monkey when all these guys have guns pointed at him? It's like he knew that he was going to somehow survive. And then when he says, I told you this was going to get weird, or he says that they're connected. But later, as, as I go through the next couple episodes, he's like learning about being a ghost. Like he's not aware of everything. So it would be one thing if he read up on this and knew, like was able to had some charm or do something that maybe it'll be explained in the later episodes. So episode two, Bright Lights, Big City. One soldier dude uh, survived and is brought to like a hospital or whatever. He keeps saying monkey, whatever. Then the general dude is angry. He says, you know, monkeys don't even use tools, whatever. And he, but he tells the others, like, find this monkey, erase it from the earth. Ghost Bryce is talking to monkey. I don't think the monkey necessarily has a name. I think it's just hit monkey. So I'm just going to call him monkey. He says it's weird that they're connected um, since he's pretty sure he hates him. Monkey's like riding on top of the train. He's barely holding on. Bryce wonders if this is some kind of purgatory. So see, it's like he's not aware of what's going on because he's like, you know, all the monkey does is yell at him and he's like, I can't even go away. He kind of like lets go to train and goes back. But then he gets like pulled forward. He's like, it's like I'm on some sort of ghost leash. Then he says that, um, you know, he could probably help him. But it doesn't seem like he wants his help because, you know, all he does is, is just like yell and screech. And then uh, as the train is approaching the city, he's like, oh, you're going to love Tokyo. So then there's he monkeys walking through the streets. There's bright lights, cars honking. Um, and it, it looks like was that Silver Samurai with some people? You know, some people were taking a selfie with him. So I don't know if that was a Silver Samurai cameo. Uh, monkey's still wearing sunglasses. He almost gets hit by a truck. People kind of stare at him. Then he runs into an alley just to kind of like compose themselves like just to deal with it all so we see uh the the heavy set lieutenant lieutenant ito he's sitting at his desk you know he's thinking about the, the politician dude and his partner getting killed um the captain comes in kind of poking fun at him whatever he introduces him to his new partner haruka she comes from this like small island that not many people have heard of you know she tries talking to him later and she's like i was the number one officer in my department and he's like how many officers in total and she's like two including myself so then ito he's like well i'm gonna go get a drink so you know, he's supposed to show her the ropes but she's so she just orders water you know he goes like to a little little stand place 
And he's like, all right. He's like, what did they say about me? And she's like, they said that you're a 20-year veteran and I should listen to you. And then he's like, and what's the but? And she's like, but you could have made captain but didn't. He took a bribe and it damaged his career. He doesn't follow protocol and he might have a slight drinking problem, which he's, you know, he's drinking. So he says that's pretty accurate. Then she says also that he's obsessed with trying to find his partner's killer. And he's like, there's no try. He's like, I'm going to find a killer. And when I do, I'm not going to arrest him. And she's like, oh, do you, do you want me to do that? He's like, no, I'm going to kill him. So Bryce takes a monkey to his contact lady on the docks. She's not in her office, so they're kind of looking around and see, like, other stuff that she's involved with. There's, like, I think just, like, casino or something, whatever. And then she comes in with a gas mask and gasses the monkey. He wakes up tied to a conveyor belt because this is, like, a fish factory thing. And he manages to avoid the blade at the end because there's, like, a big, like, buzzsaw at the middle <laughs> for some reason. So he, like, kind of ducks over and it cuts the bonds that are, like, tying him down. The lady starts chasing him with a harpoon gun. And he, I think he gets nicked or something like that. Bryce can't help. He's like, I'll stop her or whatever, but because he's a ghost, so he can't do anything. Monkey throws a couple fish at her face, and her can gets pulled into like a one of the, the, the what do they call the, the grinder crusher things, like the two wheels of spikes that just like, so her hand gets gets chopped off because she pulls the stump, but she keeps going. She like takes like a string or something like that, ties the stump, and Bryce is like, whoa! It's like, look how nuts she is. You know, she's still going. Uh, you know, because it didn't like stop her. He he. The monkey manages to pull a cable like by her, by her feet. She falls over the edge and she falls like on a conveyor belt, and then she ends up getting you know she's cursing at him and she gets chopped in half like straight down the middle like vertically. So the monkey uh, grabs his bag and he goes to leave, but Bryce points the stacks of money in the table and he explains why he would want that, what money is you know how it's used to get stuff. So back on the streets, Bryce points out a hotel room. He's like, oh, it has Wi-Fi or something like that. So Bryce is bummed that he can't get any alcohol at the minibar. A monkey just goes in a hot tub. So then there's this other politician dude that Ken was uh, running up against for prime minister. And you can tell this is an evil dude. He's, uh, he's talking about you know Ken getting killed and that he's going to stop running ads out of respect. And also since it's pretty obvious, he's going to win. So um, the advisor dude working with Ken Shinji, his niece, Akiko, who I think is voiced by Olivia Munn, she's, you can see she's like upset. You know, she's mad about this. And then later she tells her uncle, she tells Shinji, that he should run in Ken's place since he knows like all the strategies and everything like that. Because this other guy is like a scumbag. They can't let him win. Monkey's having a flashback. Um, the alpha's asking him, what does he become? He tries responding, you know, saying he's, he's trying to get vengeance. The alpha asks if he thinks violence is going to bring them back. But then Bryce wakes him up. And he's like, oh, I just found out I can't sleep. He's like, I'm up all night with my thoughts. And he's like, and you, by the way, you talk in your sleep or you screech very loudly. So it's kind of annoying. And uh, then he keeps talking, but the monkey takes like flowers out of vase and just like walks out of the room. So police are investigating the crime scene at the docks. Ido and Haruka arrive. They deduce that she must have chased someone up high, someone small that could get up there. Haruka suggests, like, maybe it was a circus person. Ido finds some, like, white fur, and he puts it in, like, an evidence bag and sticks it in his pocket. Monkey's outside uh, with flowers. Bryce says it's a bad idea. Only an idiot returns to the scene of a crime. Then this big, like, Hummer pulls up. Bryce wonders, he sees, he's like, why is it, you know, the window opens up. He's like, why is the general stopping by? Then he notices, like, the 128th 
logo on the side. And he tells the monkey, he's like, those are the D-heads I met at the airport. So they must have that in their, their vehicles. He's like, this must be the a-hole that ordered them to kill me. He's like, and, oh, and, you know, your whole tribe or village or pot or whatever. So, you know, because Bryce, it's not just about him. You know, he's got to get the monkey to help him. Monkey follows uh, General through traffic. like hopping on different cars. They end up at the funeral for the um, for the for Ken, the politician dude. Bryce is like, uh-uh. He's like, I've never been a funeral of a guy I've killed. Um, so monkey is walking. Dudes are headed his way. You know, he, he climbs over the fence, goes, goes back way. Some dudes... Uh, are kind of headed his way, so he like, ducks into his room. This little kid grabs him. He's like, oh, no. He's like, I, you're my monkey now, and stuff like that. General's upset. He's talking to someone in this room. You know, he was promised money, and he didn't get any. He lost two squads of people. So this general, his, his name's Cato. He says that, you know, he's like, I know it's appropriate to be talking to you, you know, whatever, because, like, he's he's there at the funeral. He wonders, he's like, am, am I next? Or am I going to get taken out? So Bryce is, like, hiding, trying to listen. And then he's like, wait. He's like, why am I hiding? He's like, I'm invisible. So he starts moving up because he wants to see who's this, this guy's face. Because the guy's, like, kind of kneeling, you know, lighting incense candles or something like that. So he moves to check out his face, but then he gets pulled back to the monkey because um, the monkey's now running from the kid. The kid is, like, kind of chasing him. He has, like, a twig or something like that. And then the monkey, like, ends up knocking him down, like, jumping on top of him. And then he sees, like, a suit for the kid, and he decides to put it on. So a gunfight um, outside breaks out between the Yakuza and this other group. Uh, the monkey, because he he killed some dudes, they they were throwing throwing stars at like pigeons, and he, he got upset because they're killing like innocent creature. So he ended up killing them out of rage, I guess. So the Yakuza think that the other people killed them or whatever like that. Then uh, the monkey ends up saving a Kiko. And then they kind of stare at each other like there's like some connection. It's like, why would she be staring? I mean, I guess she might be like, there's a monkey in a suit here. What is that about? But he's looking at her. It's like, what's up with that? Why is he looking at this this woman? So the monkey catches up with the general, then goes red, um, thinking about his tribe. He pushes him into the road, and he gets hit and killed by a bus. So Bryce isn't happy because he wanted to find out who he was talking to or working for, but then he tells, you know, his wallet got knocked out, somehow got knocked out of his pocket when he got hit. So he tells the monkey to grab his wallet. They need to figure out how to get out of there. So then the monkey is like underneath the limo that Akiko and uh, Shinji are in. And um, then, you know, he's he's like thinking about her. When she gets out, she's like going inside her place where monkey's like looking at her again and bryce is like you know i had a, a crush on my second grade teacher he's like and then i realized i was in second grade and i didn't stand a chance so he's basically telling the monkey he's like you have a crush on on this lady you don't have a chance because you're a monkey and that's a lady so then ito's like looking at videos you know whatever at the place and there's like a, a glimpse of something and he manages to get a frame of the monkey crouched by a body then in episode three legend of the drunken monkey the monkey and bryce are sitting in a tree and he's uh watching a kiko so you know the monkey wants to stop killing and you know there's like talking and monkeys you know hooting and whatever then a monk comes up he's like keep it down he's like people are trying to pray and he's like you know turns out he's like i know the tongue of the monkey or something like that and bryce is like oh don't listen to this guy he's like look at his eyes it makes him look strange and the monk's like well at least i'm not dead and bryce is like yeah whatever he's like wait you can hear me he's like i've been talking to a dumbass monkey for the past two weeks 
So later they're talking, they, they're kind of like arguing, and the monk's like trying to get them to listen to each other. He's like, how can you hear each other if you won't hear yourself or something like that? And then he says to Bryce, he's like, a barren field where nothing can grow until you find the seed of evil and rip it from the soil, only then will you ascend. So basically he's like saying something that he needs to get rid of this evil if, or he's going to be trapped with the monkey. So if he wants to move on, to wherever the afterlife he needs to take care of this why would a monk who would know this i don't know so the bryson and uh monkey go to the general's house because they got the address from the license they notice a lot of unpaid bills so that's probably why the general is like after money and stuff like that monkey sees a picture of the general with a little kid so he's like now he's getting bummed he's like was this his son did i just kill someone's father but he's like, oh, we don't even know if that's his kid. He could be like training him to be like, you know, some horrible, you know, soldier or something. Then there's a couple guys upstairs. I think they're like Yakuza people. Uh, but then I say, were these the twins? Or they they look the same? And then a couple MPs come in. They're like, you know, they shouldn't be there because like one of the Yakuza guys wants to take a sword that's on the mantle or something like that. And uh, Bryce and the monkey are hiding in a closet. And... Um, Bryce tells there's like a helmet there. He's like, oh, you should put this on. He puts it on, but it's like heavy. It's like almost too heavy for the monkey. So he like kind of wobbles and he falls back. The door opens. It causes um, the MP to shoot. So she shoots one of the the, the dudes in the, in like the, the stomach, in the chest. They start shooting, all this stuff like that. And like the monkey's like kind of freak out in the closet because the bullets are going through the closet. And all four of them are dead. And the monkey feels bad. Um, Shinji gives a speech or whatever, you know, so it looks like he, cause he, he also, he talked at, at the, the funeral and the other guy's like, this isn't a eulogy. This is a campaign speech. So he's like mad about that. Bryce wants a monkey to go to the casino and like go to the back casino to get like some bad guys. So, you know, mentioned in, uh, at the ladies at her, at the fish place. Um, so the monkey's crawling through air ducts and but then he falls through the air duct onto like into the main floor of the casino bunch of armed goons point guns at him then bryce tells him he's like you know because they're like looking at him they're like start dancing he's like do this and stuff like that and the monkey like does one do he's like you got to do it so he starts like moving and people are, are looking then he starts like moving his hands at doing i don't know if it's a cabbage patch or what it's like some dance move or whatever and then people are laughing and they give him a drinks and he's like, drink it, whatever. He doesn't want to, but he drinks it. But then he kind of, he's like, it's good, huh? It's like, you know, a little, little thing of like whiskey or whatever. So then Bryce is helping him gamble and, you know, monkey eventually is asked to play against this big baddie, like in the upstairs room. And it almost looks like he's drunk now because, you know, he seems like he's drinking a, a bit. He sees a vision of the alpha telling him that he's a mess, but he keeps drinking and then, uh, but he's, he's now he's, he must have learned the game because he's doing well. At first, I was like, you know, Bryce is helping him cheat by looking at the other cards. But then he tells him not to clean this dude out because he won't take it well. And it turns out Monkey beats him. So the ball dude, he nods to his goons. They drag him out to like kill him. But Bryce says, he's like, well, at least you won't have to kill anymore. So they take the monkey into his back room where some other goons are. And he says that, you know, the monkey took him for over 6 million yen and they want it back. So at first I'm like, are you talking about the gambling? It's like, well, he probably has it in his pocket. You can just take it. 
one guy starts talking back to Bali. He's like, you know, you can't talk to us like that anymore. So these are, no, these are the twins. So these are, they, you know, they have almost like the hair, same hairstyle and stuff like that. The monkey sees a family portrait on a wall and Bryce is like, the walking wet cough was their mother. So the woman that died was the mother of these two guys. So they won't refund Baldi's money or whatever. So this must be like her casino too. But they agree that they'll kill the monkey for him. Um, one guy grabs a fish from a tank. He's he's like, oh, make sure you prepare it wrong. And he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I guess it must be like a deadly blowfish that they're going to make the monkey eat. And he's going to die from it or something like that. <laughs> So, uh, and then monkey just like opens his mouth and, and to eat it. And Bryce is like, he's like, no, you need to like summon your berserker monkey rage. You know, I was wrong. He's like, killing isn't easy. It isn't just, you know, point, click, shoot. Each time you kill a little bit of yourself dies too. You know, it sucks. And, and then you're, you know, until you're just too numb to care anymore, but you know, you're never fully numb. And then, uh, the monkey like flips him off with his foot. He's like, Oh, nice. I, you know, I'm pouring my, my guts out to you and you're doing this. But like earlier he was trying to teach him sign language or whatever. And you know, I was like, well, he, he flipped them off. Then Bryce is really like, Oh wait, you have weird feet hands that no one bothered to cuff. So the monkey spits the fish out at a dude. And then he jumps up, takes a, like a Uzi. He starts shooting. Baldy gets shot. Like they, the other people, like they end up kind of like shooting each other and stuff like that. And then the monkey takes a katana, throws it at the two brothers, stabs them both through the head. And it's they're like impaled up against the wall, like the big family portrait thing. So there's like this ledger on the table. Bryce tells him to take it. Then they, they see on the, the, the security cameras, there's a bunch of like Baldi's people are coming with them with the gun. So before they leave, they're gonna have to deal with them. So later, Bryce asked Monkey if it was intentional, you know, going overboard with the booze and the gambling. He's like, was it a plan to, to get into the twins' office or just dumb luck? He's like, it was dumb luck, right? And then Monkey points at a ledger. So a bunch of jobs were all paid by someone called the accountant and there's an address. So it's like this huge fortress behind like this wall. So it almost looks like it's like a castle type of thing, like just surrounding this, you know, little city. So they're going to head over there. And uh, that was the end of the third episode. So I'll watch, I'll try to watch the rest. And um, I won't necessarily go blow by blow unless you really want that. Let me know. Um, otherwise, I might just do like a briefer recap over the rest of the season. It's not bad. I, you know, I actually, I do want to watch it. It's not like, oh, I got to watch it. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it, but um, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll be able to make that happen. Okay, now the movie feature is Ghostbusters Afterlife. So the movie is finally out. It's been delayed so many times, unfortunately, because of, of the pandemic. So it's finally here. And as it was coming up, I have to admit, you know what? I, I, I love the first Ghostbusters movies. The second movie was, was fine. Uh, but when this movie came up, I, was, I wasn't really excited for it. I was like, I don't know. You know, yeah, of course I was going to see it and everything. But I was like, I just don't know. I was really worried. I did like the, the reboot, you know, the, the all-female one. I thought it had potential. And I know a lot of people hated it or whatever. It's just like... It doesn't, whatever, I'm mean, not going to get into that. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like it because it wasn't original characters, but it's like, it doesn't have to be, you know, think of it as alternate universe. And so I feel like it was treated unfairly because of that. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like a carbon copy of the other ones. You know, it was trying to take the idea and trying to do something a little different, but whatever. 
So with this one, my main problem was, and and uh, you know, I was like reading the the various developments you know they were trying to make a third movie like after the second one but bill murray didn't want to do it because apparently he didn't like sequels so you know they had all these different ideas or trying to do it you know different different things like that and throughout you know like many of them it, it sounded like they wanted to to have like a new team of, of ghostbusters like a handing of the torch type of thing and i think at one point it was like i think it was like chris rock uh Chris Farley and Ben Stiller, maybe we're going to be Ghostbusters or whatever. And there's other things like, you know, it was me, Peter Venkman's son and, you know, like all this stuff like that. So it's it sounds like throughout like many of the ideas or in, incarnations, versions of scripts and stuff that there was going to be a, like a passing of a torch type of thing. That's fine. And that was my fear with this because we see all these kids, you know, it's like I don't really you know we got Finn Wolfhard who you know he's fine you know in, in Stranger Things and Turning of the Screw was it The Turning that was a weird movie and then you know you got McKenna Grace which that, I, that name sounds familiar I don't know what she's been in and I'm not gonna necessarily look well I guess I can look here um, maybe I don't know her from anything but um, you know she she was actually good in it there's this uh, other kid podcast his name he was actually kind of funny and then paul rudd's character was was here so i'm like all right maybe it's not gonna be that bad because you know when when we find out paul rudd is gonna be in it because at first i was like this is just gonna be kids finding the ecto one in a old farm in oklahoma like what and then they're gonna become ghostbusters that didn't sound too appealing to me but then when paul rudd was signed on it's like okay that gives it a little more or gives me a little more hope but overall, I mean, it was a good movie. It, it does have a lot of nostalgia, but it almost feels like it's too much nostalgia. So it's really trying to balance the two, where be you know to be true to the original movies, you know, the franchise, but also trying to start something new. Basically, the story is we have this like single mom. She has two kids. Her husband's not around, and her father, which we find out was uh spengler she basically didn't really know him because he was like not there and you know he ends up moving out to this farm she didn't realize that you know she doesn't even know why this farm was left to him because you know he he dies and you know we, we see a little bit at the beginning so she's like in debt you know she has bills so she figures you know maybe get get the inheritance and then you know she can pay her bills and everything like that Turns out they they're gonna get evicted because the landlord's like because she's like I promise I'll be back and I'll have the money. He's like, okay, well as soon as you leave, I'm you know I'm changing the locks type of thing. But then it's like, well, what about all her stuff? <laughs> so they they head out there and they they find this uh, you know the the townspeople called him the the dirt farmer and he didn't really talk to anyone. So she's you know realizing her father was just like this crazy recluse you know this dude that like no one he didn't talk to anyone's like. And there's like really nothing there, you know, it's just like a mess. And so she's like, what are we doing here? But you know, what it comes down to is they don't have anywhere else to go, you know, since they got kicked out and I don't know what she did for a job or anything, but you know, so now they're in this small little town and it's, it's just a place where it's like, you know, why would anyone go there? So, uh, Finn Wolfhart, you know, he's, he, I feel like, you know, his character wasn't as as crucial as essential. He's just like the annoying, complaining teen, you know, and it's understandable, you know, why would you want to be there in the middle of nowhere? It was like, what are you going to do? And Phoebe, she's, 
kind of like the smart, nerdy, awkward kid. You know, she doesn't really have a lot of friends because, you know, she's too smart for them type of thing. But, you know, she's kind of interested in in seeing, you know, what she finds out her grandfather, who she doesn't know anything about, was kind of a scientist. You know, when she sees all the stuff and finds different things like that. So she's like getting into it. One of the problems I have with the show. So like them with the kids and then um, Trevor, which is Finn Wolfhard, he he wants to work at this diner because he he there's a, a cute waitress, I guess. You know, he thinks she's cute. So he wants to work there because her. it's like, OK. All right. But then, you know, so she's going to get pulled in. And, you know, there's some stuff here. He's hanging out with some of the other workers at at the restaurant. So you have these kids in there. It's like, you know, what's going to happen here? But, you know, it's not that bad. And uh, where Paul Rudd comes into it, because for some reason, Phoebe goes to summer school. It's not like she needs it. And Paul Rudd's a teacher. But he doesn't even want to teach. Like when the, the first day when they come in, he just puts on Cujo for them. You know, because he, he found out that the school still uses like VCR and he had happens to have a copy of Cujo for them to watch. And he's in the other room because there's like all these earthquakes happening, even though there's there's and you see this like going to trailers, you know, there, there's no fault lines or anything like that. But it's almost like a daily occurrence. There's there's earthquakes and he's apparently a seismologist. So she ends up like kind of when he he just like leaves the classes in the back room. He has like a bunch of like equipment or not like a bunch of equipment but like maps and you know seismic maps and stuff like that and she's like oh why do you have this here and and then he first he thinks she's just like an annoying kid but then it turns out you know she knows you know she recognizes different things so he's like oh yeah so he starts like talking to her about that and in her class is where the, the kid podcast he's this little little nerdy kid who has his own podcast but um, you know, no one really listens to it. I think he has like one subscriber or something like that. So things start coming together, and you know, they they start. You know, she Phoebe finds like the underground work office or not underground. It's like under the barn that you know her grandfather. So it's, you know, she finds some of his stuff there. Um, Trevor finds the Ecto one, and it turns out he happens to be like a master mechanic that is able to get this car up and running that's been sitting there for what 20 30 years and everything like that and it's like it, it, it yeah whatever so but it's, it's just so it, with one of the, the other thing i probably have is it's like some things just happen too fast and too easy because like when you know phoebe has like a chess set in her room and like one morning she notices a piece moved like the you know the, the board was set up and like you know the, the pawn has moved forward so she's like oh that's weird so she moves one and then later she sees a, another piece is moved so she moves it and then she literally sees a piece move and she doesn't freak out or anything like that and maybe because she's smart a scientist whatever she's like open to idea paranormal whatever but it's like there's there's no freaking out or anything like that and and just the fact like, you know, Trevor getting the car running and then then one day they're able to work on uh, the, the, the the backpack, the, you know, crossing this, not just whatever. You know what I'm talking about, because uh, I, I, I'm giving too much away. Like how how there's a little help given to get the that get things up and running. Um, so it's. It's okay, but then oh, the other thing that's just kind of weird. So there, there's a scene where, where I'm just—I feel like I'm all over the place now with this. Where Paul Rudd goes to a Walmart, and you know, you you probably seen uh, the scene where with the marshmallows, where Paul Rudd's there. But it's almost like there's no one else in the store. 
So he's buying some stuff, and then he goes by the marshmallows. And the first thing is, you see a bag of marshmallows kind of moving, poking around. And then he, he like, leans forward onto the shelf and is, like, getting real close. I would be like, there's, I, I love rats. I, I had a pet rat. He was the cutest thing. He was a white rat. But he gets real close. I would be like, man, there's like a, a nasty, diseased rat in there that's going to like jump up and bite your nose off. He gets right in there. And then there's these little Stave Puff Marshmallow Men, like CG Stave Puff Marshmallow Men, which doesn't make any sense. Why would they be wearing the hat and the little outfit if they're just from a bag of marshmallows? And it's like, what is causing them to be animated, to be, you know, it's one thing if you have a ghost where a ghost is a ghost. I don't understand where why these marshmallows, and maybe I need to watch the first one again to understand. What, but then there's like, oh, there's so many little Stay Fluff marshmallows. Like, how many packs of marshmallows are, are in, in this store? And, you know, he hears a scream at one point, but then there's like this big beast that starts chasing him and like he, things are getting knocked over and, and there's like no one else in the store. Maybe because it's a small Oklahoma town. When he goes out in a parking lot, I think there's only like two other cars there. But that was just just kind of weird. But anyway, so, so things progress and things happen. And, you know, like like some damage gets done to the town and the kids don't really get in trouble. You know, they, they get they get arrested. But it's like you damage like s- several like buildings and stuff. But it was a good movie. <laughs> so and then the ending, the ending might have been a little too much, but there are some good moments. And then, you know, we do have, you know, I know I've been talking about all these new characters we do have, you know, the original cast is in a the movie. They're not like all front and center, like main throughout the movie, but you know, they they do have a presence and and you know roles and stuff like that. So it was good to, to see them as well. But part of it almost felt like it was just like too much nostalgia bringing things. But it, again, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. So it's just kind of a, a mix of, of of being nostalgic, but almost like too much forced nostalgia. So I think that's all I'm going to say about the movie. I mean, it, it is worth watching. It's, I guess it's a worthy installment in the franchise. You know, it, it doesn't try changing things. You know, while we do have new characters introduced, um, it does set a, it does a, a good job handling everything, but introducing new character, bringing the other ones. Could there be a sequel? I mean, obviously, if they really wanted to, they could. I don't know exactly how it would work and where they would go with it, but... You know who knows, um, but you know everything's explained why why the middle of the desert and all that, or not the desert, middle of you know Oklahoma, middle of nowhere. So it is it's good stuff, and you should watch it. It's it's a fun time. You know this is this is why we go to movies to you know just be entertained and and watch it. And if you've watched the first ones, you're gonna enjoy this. So it they did a good job and i think it's it's going to be like 40 million dollars for the opening weekend so i think that's good in this this day and age so so good job and on that note i guess that's going to be the end of the episode yeah i don't know if there's anything else i should say i feel like maybe i, I missed some, i forgot something but you get the idea. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big, awesome supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, I'm currently talking about Ultimate Spider-Man, Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Bagley. Bagley. I think, what am I doing this week? Th- issue three. We're at issue three. So you can hear about that. 
But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanformheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanformheck. So what is going to happen next week? That is a very good question. So we have Thanksgiving in the U.S. that you know coming up. But um, we do have Hawkeye that drops on the 24th, first two episodes. So I'm definitely going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about Cowboy Bebop. I'm going to try to talk about um, the rest of, of Hitmonkey. I believe Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is also supposed to come out on the 24th. I've been looking at my theater to see if they have tickets up for sale because I'll go Wednesday to see it. Um, they don't have tickets or showtimes listed yet. And sometimes it's weird. They, they Sometimes they're up like two weeks ahead of time and other times it's like a couple days. So I might talk about Resident Evil next week. If not, I wonder, because I don't know if there's anything after that. Like what's in December? Maybe I should put, maybe I should just do... Hawkeye is a feature. And here I am. I'm just like talking to myself, trying to figure things out. So it'll be maybe Rac- Raccoon City, maybe Resident Evil next week. We'll have to see if that happens or not. And then all the TV shows, which I mentioned and, and so forth. So um, on that note, I hope you're doing well. If you are in the U.S. and you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you have a good time. I hope you are able to spend time with family or friends or loved ones. Um, if you're traveling, be careful, be safe. You know, since we're not in a lockdown this this time around, um, I hope everything is going well. I hope you get some time to relax. I hope I get some time. I'm so looking forward to this coming week. So be careful. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. And remember to be good to each other. Hey.